Welcome back to the Backlog Podcast, the podcast where we go through all of our stuff that are in our backlogs and tell you if it should be in yours and if it's good or not. There's a lot of hot takes here. Uh, and Speaking of hot takes, the king, the king on my right, Turner, the man, the mad lad of hot takes. Uh, uh... Fuck, I can't think of one right now. That's a bad hot take. Dead Space 1 should have tank controls. Uh, All right. And uh, sitting across from me... I stand by that, by the the, way. The the neutral hot take. Zach. Eat shit, trash. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a spicy take. That's that's a a hot take, but soon he'll have a take that's really cold and it balances him out. I I really do want to say, though, I feel as though Dead Space would be better if it played like RE4. Mm, I I could see that. Like, and don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with the original Dead Space. Oh, it's it's a fine game, but it would be, it is like, it is the most 8 out of 10 I have ever seen. I still have I still have such a soft spot for Dead Space One and Two. That's fair, and but like think of the way the corridors in One are designed. And now it's me. And think about playing RE Four. Your boy, cold takes. Cold takes. Cold takes. Will I have no hot takes? I don't think that's true. I probably do, but I have fewer uh, hot takes than the. G- give the me other. a cold take that you have. Uh, Fire Emblem Fates is bad. I mean. Uh, yeah, that's a okay. that's a very icy cold take. Yeah, Holy that's shit. Yeah. that's a measured, yeah. direct, <laughs> standard milk Sorry. toast, if you will. Yeah. Sorry, Zach. Uh, oh, what? Oh, how, how would you react if I said that uh, Fire Emblem Fates is what saved the series? That's one incorrect. It was Fire Emblem Awakening that saved the series, and that's a much better game. Despite being uh, the predecessor to Fates, uh, Awakening is like a seven out of ten. Yeah, it's, I think. it's not. It's bad. a good it's, game. It's, it's not a, a great game. It's a like average Fire Emblem. It's game a it's me. a gateway Fire Emblem. Yeah, it it gets you into the series much better than any previous game. Well, accuracy aside, I just wanted to see if I could get you riled <coughs> up for shits and giggles because I know no. you have an ab- abnormal hatred of fate. I, I also, have, the ability to play up. without unit permadeath, pretty great for someone like me who doesn't like tactical RPGs. Uh, I, that's That's been pretty much neutered, though, with the advent of Mila's Turn Wheel and, and uh, Divine Pulse, where you just go back however far you need to not fuck up. I think that's that's a way better system. Oh, it, it saves you so much time for having to restart maps. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm saying you can always give yourself the challenge of doing things like an Iron Man run where you know if someone does die, then yeah, it's it's fun. So speaking of Fire Emblem, I'll go first this time around. I've been playing Shadow Dragon, which is the only DS release for a Fire Emblem game in the West. There was a, it's a remake of the very first Fire Emblem, or yeah, the fir- first. Wait, was, was Awakening 3DS? Yeah, Awakening was 3DS. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Wait, I thought there was a DS one with Mars. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's oh, that's it. It's it's a remake of the first uh, Fire Emblem game, which is the game with Marth. There is a sequel to Shadow Dragon that is a remake of the third Fire Emblem, which is a sequel to the first Fire Emblem. Uh, and it is unfortunately locked to Japan because the sales of Shadow Dragon were so bad that people in the West were like, mm, we're not going to bring it over. And let me tell you what's the sad part. Shadow Dragon, even though Will will kind of give you his take <laughs> on it, personally, I dig Shadow Dragon, and Shadow Dragon and New Mystery of the Emblem, which is the first and third game in the series, which is Marv's story, or commonly known as the Arcanea Saga, personally, 
as a whole, I really liked Arcanea Saga. A new mystery of the emblem really is what elevates it to such great levels. Which is why it's so sad that it never got brought over to the West. I played a ROM hack of the Fire Emblem one that has Lin in it. Oh, FEV7. And I played Fire Emblem Awakening. Right, you That's my experience with Fire Seriously, Emblem. get three houses. It's so good. It's, I, it's worth the money. I know. I Here's the thing, okay? Before I get three houses, I really want to get Spiritfarer, which is a game that came out on the PC like last month. Okay. Because um, I hear it's really fucking good. And then before... Like, basically, the next Switch game I'm going to get is going to be Xenoblade Chronicles Remastered. Fair. Uh, so, Shadow Dragon is an interesting game. So, if you've only have played the 3DS and Beyond Fire Emblems, this is radically different. Um, I've seen the art. It's not great. It's... Por- portrait art and like when they're not <coughs> and when they're or where they're doing like stills of shots, like where they're doing like the hand oh. stills, like all that I really like. The stylized like stills that are in the game are oh, very the nice stills to look are good. at. I just mean like the I don't like the character portraits. Yeah, the character I don't and the, the character uh, portraits remind me of uh, Dawn of Sorrow. And and the and the You combat, think that like a bad thing. The Dawn of Sorrow art is not great. And the and the combat the combat models. Okay, turn. yeah, Aria did, did have a better art style. Uh, Aria has a better art style despite being a GBA game. <laughs> and Dawn is a DS game. So the the in combat models for each of the units. You ever just made a a, a man had a Play-Doh? That looks better than these models. Ooh. They are bad, so... play. Are we talking, like, FF1 quality? Where it's, like, 16 pixels? Oh, no. I mean, they're, like, 3D models, Here, but... Uh, yeah. I'll pull up a picture. Okay, you keep talking they're, about they're, it, but I they're do want bad. to about this picture. Um, so, this is, uh, again, a remake of the first game, and it's, uh, it's fun to go through, like, what made this series. Mm-hmm. What got it all started, and how it's... What made it last for so long. And it's... It's been an interesting experience because I've played so many of the new games for so long, so recently, that I have forgotten what it's like to actually have to play strategically to invest like actual time and resources into characters that you want to use. And most aggravatingly, I have forgotten what it's like to not play with uh, the turn-back turn systems. I see what they are going for. It's it's. There's no life, no the, personality the to any of the models. The motion to them looks decent for a DS game. Yeah, but... the motion is fine, but it is devoid of any personality Oh, whatsoever. yeah, for sure. It, it feels like I'm watching stick figures battle. It yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not quite finished with it. I have one chapter and the final chapter left. And uh, I think overall... My story, my my playtime is probably going to say 15, 16 hours... But uh, restarting maps to save the characters that you like is a pain I had forgotten. Mm-hmm. Dear God, the the controversial as it is, the uh, the turn back turn system in the new Fire Emblems a genuinely good addition because it just saves you so much time. Quality of life is really worth its weight in gold whenever you go back to older stuff. Um, like, 
for example, when I played Persona 4 Golden, I it, it like immediately occurred to me just how nice and responsive and cool the battle menus are in 5. Oh, did you remember how great Insta-Kill was in P5? Where you didn't even have to go into the battle? Yeah. You just done? That shows yeah. good. I mean, that one's not necessarily quality of life. I, I think it is. Whenever well, you're just here, trying to get through a dungeon. Here's the thing. In 4, you can avoid like literally every encounter. You can. Very easily. And you can just grind up golden hands. And that... It, it, Insta-kill it feel, would feel superfluous in 4. Like, it, it feels unnecessary, um, in my personal opinion. But, like, man, the ability to, to be on your skills menu and switch personas with L1 and R1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Fucking god tier in 5. Uh, but Shadow Dragon is... Uh, it is pretty much only story. They're... I, I have, in this entire playthrough, I have not gotten any support conversations. I don't even know if they exist. There aren't any Shadow Dragons. Yeah. Ju- you're just playing through the story and... You you basically get character... You get so many characters in this game. Almost as much as uh, Binding Blade, the FE6, the one that came before... But had, the, it's Rory's game. Yeah. Mm. It's... Uh, I, I don't think, know who that is. Oh, Roy. Roy. Mm-hmm. I think you said Rory, and I was like, what? No, Roy. Uh, so, at least... Every chapter, you get a minimum of two to five units. Some chapters, you can get up to six new characters. <laughs> and Holy shit, they expect these fuckers to Oh, die. yeah, and it, it is so interesting playing a game where they expect you to have your characters die, unlike <laughs> Three Houses, where it's like, if you don't play everything right, you have only, like, 13 units to use. So, but, uh... And this brings up the point, like, you know, with that original design and in- intended, uh, something that the original that the original game and Shadow Dragon did, which is interesting, is they had these, is it called Gaiden Chapters? Yes. Yeah, so they Gaiden had Gaiden chapters. chapters where you can only access these chapters at specific points in the game if a certain number of your party has died. Yeah. And then you can go into these chapters. It's a way to get extra experience for your people who have survived. And to get replacement characters who are similar to ones you mm-hmm. may have lost. So, the, so say like a uh, one that comes to mind. Like if you lose a swordsman named Navar, who you know a lot of people like using Navar. Navar's cool. Uh, it's kind of easy to lose him, especially right in the beginning if you don't really know what you're doing. Uh, so they give you his replacement in the form of Athena, and Athena is very, it's, it's, very, she's, very, she's, very, very similar. Uh, the, so the condition for Gaiden chapters in Shadow Dragon is that you have to have 14 characters or less. Huh. And this is a game with a cast of, like, 50 characters. So, like, literally you only get these bonus chapters if you're fucking If up. you're playing, like, garbage and just let people die willy-nilly. Are they interesting story chapters, or are they just... It's, it's, it, since this is the first game, it is pretty much, like... You are fighting. You'll get a little exposition. Yeah. And you, maybe like a little bit of dialogue from the character, and then that's about it. Yeah, you get oh, okay. it as bare bones as can be. And it's it's interesting to play it and see where the series got its roots and how it's like evolved. Um, and it's very disappointing that the sequel never came out because it's much better in all regards, like character portraits, combat animation, just even getting supports. Is a huge boon because if you just have characters 
the only way that you can say that you like a character is how well they perform. And in a series like but, Fire Emblem, where all their growths are RNG-based, like, you can like a character one time around because they were good, and then the next playthrough, whenever you try to play them, they just get bad levels up. Mm-hmm. You know, and I will say there were certain exceptions to Shadow Dragon with, like, say, like, cases like, uh, characters Harden. like Minerva, where it's like, you oh, know... see, my Minerva's not good. No, not even gameplay-wise, actually, when it comes to, like, the story, because... There's a lot of little interconnected things, like you know, you get you have the chapter where you get Minerva. You're supposed to rescue her sister Maria, mm-hmm. and then you had to overtake the fortress where her brother Michaelis is. So Minerva, as a whole, is overall yeah. important to they, the so story. There's there's a lot of like royalty characters in this, where they are like knights or actual lords from various uh, kingdoms, um, and it doesn't have like a huge effect on gameplay because this was before uh, FE4. Where uh, bloodlines made better children, and then uh, three houses where bloodlines determine what like special character traits people have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's <laughs> I'm ready to be done playing this game. So how does Marth compare as a lord? Uh, I would put Marth on the lower end of the lords. Really, uh, not quite as bad as Roy. Roy is just bad because he gets a late promotion. Marth doesn't get a promotion, but he gets an extra 10 levels in his class. Um, so his level cap is 30 instead of 20. That's neat. Yeah, but it's still not great because every other character can do 20 and then promote and then get another 20 levels. Oh, yeah, that's not great. Yeah. So playability-wise, Marth is very just standard across he's, the board. He's, he's just there to capture the castle for you. Uh, and... Uh, there's there's a distinct lack of like chapter variety. It is always siege, seize the castle, seize the throne. There is no defending, no escape, like in some of the other games. Escape is one of my favorites. I, always. All right, Zach, I'll give Fire Emblem Fates one uh, one spe- point. Sp- specifically, conquest. Specifically, conquest, where you have to escape uh, the faceless. Mm-hmm. That is a good chapter. No. Because it's Con- a good, Conquest- good variety. Conquest as a whole has such great variety in the missions. It, it does, but it's uh, it, it's just got the problem with the rest of Fates, and it's that the story is bad. And, but Conquest is by far the best of the three because it's got the best maps and the best maps. Yeah, the best maps is challenging. Like dear Lord, that final map, oh, uh, that final map in Conquest. Oh, that's such. Fates bothers me from like a statistical standpoint though, because doesn't don't the enemies just cheat? Oh, they do. They have a statistically higher chance of hitting you at like a sixty percent rate than they do a ninety percent. And then you throw in things like your lunatic plus difficulty, where enemies can be fully decked out in skills, just like you can be. Yeah, it's 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 a it's an aggravating game, and the RNG systems work on a two rot on a two die roll instead of a one die roll. Fuck that. Personally, I like it. I know Will doesn't particularly care for it. I like it. I don't think it's the best, but I still get enjoyment out of it. I. But would you say it's better or worse than Awakening? In some regards, better. In some regards, worse. So, for me, what's better about it is that you can't just, like, constantly grind and abuse stuff. At least in Conquest, like you could in Awakening. Uh, the parent mechanic is much better in Fates than it is in Awakening. Story perspective, I don't care for either of the two games' stories, but I think Awakening has a much stronger story and more interesting and compelling characters. I I find most of the um, 
affinity dialogue in Awakening is just good. It's it's pretty good, and then you go to Fates, and it's like I like tomatoes. Yeah, you like tomatoes too, dude. You want to put them yeah, in a hyperbolic time chamber you together? Wanna know, yeah. You want to know my favorite moment that I ever had in Awakening? Hmm. So one time I was like, okay, I moved all my units. I was like, wait, there's one unit I haven't moved yet. Oh, it's Kellum. And then I laughed at myself. Poor Kellum. I forget about him. You know, you know everyone forgets about funny Kellum. little tidbit. Uh, did you know Kellum's actually in the box, like the cover art for yeah, Awakening, he's... completely obscured and covered by everyone else? Yes, he is. Um, but I love him. I'm almost done with Shadow Dragon. I I have once again revived my my blursing of a, a traditionally bad axe unit being ungodly. Uh, it's Barst. Barst was never even considered bad. He's not bad, but he does. He he tends to plateau after a while. Mine has become a god, much like my Rinka from my now deleted Birthright file, who was better than Ryoma. <laughs> but I'm glad to almost be done with this game. It's good to see where the series started, but it's only gotten better from from its inception. And. I, I I hope that some of the other games that have never come to the states get some form of port for the Switch, because at this point, uh, with the with the Mario three pack, uh, the N sixty four Sunshine and uh, is it Galaxy Galaxy yeah. one coming into I a wish bundle? It was Galaxy two, yeah, I really do. Uh, I feel like they'll do Galaxy two at some point. I feel like so. Here is my thing with Mario Galaxy one and two. I feel as though one has like a overall like more cohesion between levels. Like there's no level that I absolutely hate, but there's like there's no like SSS tier winner levels. Like no, but they're all good. No, it, Two it, has better standouts, but like less overall quality in my opinion. You know, and what a thing with uh, Galaxy. Like I played Galaxy one and. I really like Galaxy. I really Galaxy do. It's, it's a cool game. I never played Galaxy 2, so I don't really... Yeah, I've, I haven't played Galaxy 2 either. Galaxy 2 is good. I like it. Just... I don't know. I It's a, it's a weird one, because it's kind of... It's like an apples and oranges kind of thing. Where, like, Galaxy 2 has a lot of really interesting spring-off points. Mm-hmm. And it has other moments where you're like, didn't... Wasn't this a level in one? Where you're like, I... yeah. I get that, um, but uh, no. Since we're on the Mario discussion, please Nintendo bring Paper Mario on the Thousand Year Door and Super Paper Mario to the dance switch. Oh, I would oh, never going to do it. There's rumors afoot that they're making a sequel to Super Mario RPG, oh. and that in the coming months they're going to put Super Mario RPG on the SNES Classic channel. Here's my. Th- I think it already is. It's not. Is it not? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's on the well. Super Nintendo Mini. Right. So, here's my thing. Super Mario RPG is good, but very, it's not great. Very very interesting for the time that it came out. It, yeah, no. At the time, fantastically interesting. At the moment, it has not aged well. Some aspects of it definitely have. But other parts of it... So, uh, I brought that up because... If the if Nintendo is able to port GameCube and Wii games, maybe this means that they're finally going to port Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn to the Switch in a duology set, which would be great because Path of Radiance 
is ungodly expensive and hard to find, and Radiant Dawn is also hard to find and expensive, but, but not as Something expensive. that does worry me about that in particular, and it may not be an issue, like, say if they did announce mm-hmm. it, you bought a copy right off the bat, great. You know, and this is one thing that I don't particularly, I get why they're doing it, but I also don't like it, is... You know, with this triple pack of Mario that they're doing, it's going to be a limited run thing. So yeah. that leads a lot of potential for people to just hoard up a bunch of copies and go into a lot of price gouging. Well, the other thing is, is that they're also available on, on the, the on, Switch store. Aren't they? Only. Aren't they available individually as well? Or no, is it only you have to buy it's, triple pack. It's as the triple pack, but it's only available on the store for a limited time, which is where I have the issue at. Because Zach's right, a lot of people will hoard physical copies and try to scout people. But I think if they would do like seasonal re-releases of these, like tri- of like the Mario Triple Pack, like w- once or twice a year, here it is, and it's fifteen percent off. You have three weeks to buy it. That'd be better than not having it available at all after this. Limited I, I would imagine that's probably what they would do because like every every single game that's produced is a limited run. It's Technically just speaking, longer yes. than six months. Yeah. Um. But uh, Shadow Dragon, solid five out of ten. Really, I thought like, you were going to score lower. Honestly, I, like I, it, it, if you're a Fire Emblem fan, I would say it's like a six and a half out of ten because it's fun to go back to the roots. If you have never played Fire Emblem, it's a straight fucking one, maybe a zero out of ten. It's not a good first Fire Emblem to start with, so I'm averaging it out at about five. Because <laughs> who? So well, you don't springing off of well. Were you going to get into your thing? or uh, I, I was going to make a point. I'm like, you know, for some people, like, say, like, you know, if you don't have any expectations of Fire Emblem, like, you didn't have, like, mm, your, yeah. like, you understand, like, how the newer games can play. If you were... And, like, you go into Shadow Dragon, you may potentially like it, but then, and then you play the new ones, it's like, oh, wow, this is, like, so yeah. different. And if, if you were a, a sweet, innocent child who had never heard of Fire Emblem ever in your life, and this was the first game you got, and you played it blind. It would be great you know, it's, because it's like, very interesting to play. You no, know, because like there are a couple of like select like people who play like Fire Emblem on on YouTube that like you know they started out with this style of Fire Emblem. So for them, like they ha- they have like a special sweet spot for these ones. So uh, this is what they kind of almost prefer. Fe Seven. I, I think that's like a pinnacle game for Fire Emblem. It is so good. <laughs> I played the GBA ROM in high school when I was dumb, and uh, I can fully agree it's pretty good. It, oh god, it's it's so much. Fun. The pixel art, ten out of fucking ten. Oh, it, it, I will say the pixel art gets better in Sacred Stones, but I think the story of Sacred Stones is not good. Um, I like it's. I, I think Ephraim's story is better than Erica's. I that's, like, that's my hot take. I Fuck like the ladies. The lady has the worst story because she's. She's not as tactical as her brother Ephraim. She wants to believe in people, and I'm tired of believing in people. <laughs> um, you do get characters at a different at different, at different points paces, in time. Yeah. and it's it, some of like, them. Are... Yeah, I mean, as a whole, I. You can finish that. No, point. never mind. I don't. Oh, can... I don't want this to turn into forty minutes of fire. Go on. Okay, disband. Have either of you heard of or played a game called Into the Breach? Yes. I, oh yeah, I have heard of it and I've been interested in it because it's like that. It's the eight by eight strategy. Yeah, game, right. It's it's like a tactical that that roguelike right, RPG right up my alley. I mm-hmm. just there's so many games. 
so the the people who made Into the Breach um, back in 2012 made a game called FTL Faster Than Light. Mm-hmm. And that is what I decided to play a few runs of a few days ago. Is it also an SRPG? It is... It's hard to describe. Basically, you, you manage a ship's systems and crew. And um, it's like an RTS, sort of, but you can pause at any time. Okay, so and like Evolution got it. Uh, not exactly. <laughs> uh, it's it's like you do battles and stuff. It's a roguelike. I mean, you can fight dinosaurs in a okay, yes. Evolution, but no, it's not. It's not quite on that. Basically, think of it as like a non-grid based. It's not okay. grid based, basically. Um, but essentially, you jump. You jump from like beacon to beacon in a sector, fighting people, trying to get through eight sectors. To run away from the rebel flagships so that you can then dig in your heels, turn around, and blast that motherfucker to kingdom come. Um, but more often than not, you wind up getting blasted to kingdom fucking come. Because holy shit, FTL is so goddamn hard. Oh, fun. It's all, like, there are so many runs where you don't even make it to Sector 8 because you just get fucked. What's, what's the average you would say that you can make it to? Um, It kind of depends. Your first time through, you might make it to Sector 4 okay. if you're lucky. Um, Once you get skilled at the game, you can get to Sector 8 much more consistently. Okay. Um, I'm at like a moderate skill level. Like I beat the game. I've beaten the game twice. How many attempts? Uh, I just got an achievement for killing my thousandth ship yesterday. So... How many ships are there, Alana? You run into a bunch of ships every run, but it can't be more than, like, 40 per run. How long does a run take? Um, Well, there's a save and quit feature that you can save and quit in the middle of a run. Uh, Usually... It kind of depends on the speed you're going, because like there's text boxes and events every time you jump. So either you you stop and read the text boxes and you prolong the run by like two hours, or you just skip on through it because you read the first line and you know what the event is because you've played this game a thousand fucking times. Um, but uh, I would say a run can take anywhere from like an hour to two and a half hours. Um, it's not Binding of Isaac quick where, like, you can get in a few runs in, like, 30 minutes. But, um... 30 minutes for a couple of runs in Binding of Isaac? Maybe if you're bad and you die right off the bat. I mean, it kind of depends on how far along you are. If you're just, if you just have Mom to fight, then maybe you can get that stuff pretty Maybe, quick. yeah. It's also been so long since I played Isaac. I stopped playing it when Afterbirth came out because I feel like it fucked up the game. Personally. I have no claim in this. Yeah. Um, as someone who is a big purveyor of roguelikes, I really like roguelikes. This one is the most unique one in its field, and it came out eight years ago. Um, it's quite old. Um, Does it? God, we're calling, old. we're calling it. has aged like a fine wine. Oh, good. God, we're calling 2012 old. It's kind of old. Like, it, I mean, it's almost a decade ago. I mean, it's, like, it's weird to think of it as old. Though. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, it, since, it feels... Since then, we've... Uh, all three of us have finished high school, and you're almost done with college like me and Turner. Yeah. So. I would have been... Uh, if I wouldn't have done nursing school, I would have been <laughs> done two years ago. <laughs> but then you never would have met us, Zach. 
I, I probably would have potentially gone. I probably would have gone to Lion. Yeah, he would have come in with my class. Shit, feels bad. I could have been done with college and had a lot less in student loans. Ah, uh, but look at you now, Zach. You're but having hey. fun doing school in quarantine. Who <laughs> <laughs> oh, graduated? <laughs> <laughs> Graduating the year before a massive global pandemic hits. <laughs> now the only problem I have to deal with is not being able to get a job. Oh, that's uh, horribly depressing. We'll just start a new podcast called Life Sucks Ass. And we'll talk about all the bad things about life. <laughs> oh man. But no, FTL fucking solid. It it really is interesting just how much fun like managing a ship's systems can be because like you buy like power slots and then you buy power units and slot them up slot them down there's mod like you get weapons and the weapons have to charge up before they fire and there's like missile weapons that go through shields bomb weapons that target specific rooms and can start fires ion systems to like disable them with an emp pulse sort of thing um, and bombs that just straight up cause fires. Um, and then there's like beam weapons, which is like you take a line and you drag it across system rooms. Um, and then just laser weapons, which just shoot projectiles. Um, it, there's like a lot going on with the combat system. And um, it, it's interesting enough in that there's there's eight ships and three layouts for six of those ships and two layouts for the other two. So is this just space battleship? E- sort of. Okay. E- it's like there's nothing really that I can compare it to because it's so unique and interesting. Have you seen the picture going around on the internet where? Uh... Of course, Evan Spina. Yes. Oh no! God damn it! What? Zach. What the fuck? What the fuck? I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, he's turned it into a uh, please go vote. You know, there's a lot of... Oh, that's what it was. I saw a tweet from him earlier that was like, like, now that I have your attention. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of, call it conspiracy theory, whatever you want, that he intentionally made a fake one just to get people's attention, just to draw to the fact that, hey, you really should vote. But like, on a scale of one to ten, how's, how is... No, 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 no. Look, I'm curious. Well, we talk about it after the podcast. Zach, what, what backlog score would you give This Chris? is an invasion on a person's <laughs> rights. Well, as, as soon as you go onto social media and you you, you lose rights. It's true. Oh. It's true. That's, that's, that's an iffy legal battle. He's right. That is... It, call legality all you like. You know we lose our privacy as soon as we put any of our information onto it, the yeah, internet. Look at, look, at, look at Mark Zuckerfuck. <laughs> <laughs> Zuck, give me the I'm, Zuck. So, so uh, the picture I was talking about, not Chris Evans' penis. Uh, Seriously, though, get, like text me a number. Was um, uh, was um, a picture of uh, a couple playing Battleship, and it the girl had all of her battleships lined up next to each other, and the boyfriend had hit all five ships, but uh, not one ship had sunk, and he was mad. <laughs> and it, and that, I don't know why it made me think of that, but I was like, what if I just hit all the ships and none of them die? That's like such an interesting strategy to put all of your all of your ships in the same place. Yeah, but once you figure out that strategy, you're fine. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's a gamble. Um Oh, I remembered what the fourth thing I wanted to talk about today was, so that's cool. Um but either way, FTL, if you like roguelikes and you haven't played this, fucking play it. 
Holy shit, fucking play it. It's so good. It's on the Xbox Game Pass, which is a dollar for your first month. And you can just download it. It's like less than a gigabyte. I think even if you wanted to buy it, it's like $15. It's it's dirt cheap for what is essentially hours upon hours upon hours of entertainment. Because there's like, I don't know. As I mentioned earlier, there's three layouts... Uh, for each ship on six different ships and then the other two extra ships have two layouts and each layout drastically changes the way that you play that ship like for example uh, I really like the Mantis ship the Mantis ship comes with a boarding pad so that you can teleport your crew members over into the other ship and fuck up the people over there Mantis B the B configuration also comes with a boarding pad but its boarding pad is four pads instead of two so you can teleport four motherfuckers over to a ship at once which is insanely powerful the drawback to this is that mantis b does not have weapons (laughs) that's pretty interesting yeah Uh, you have to buy weapons and install them on your ship so since you're the roguelike aficionado have you seen anything on hades Hades, Hades, looks, cool. Hades looks fucking good. I'm kind of interested in it. Okay. So it, it kind of de- so Supergiant Games is a developer that I am particularly fond of. Um, they made Bastion. I fucking love Bastion. They made I, Transistor. I fucking love Transistor. I have both of those games downloaded. I've not played them. They're really good. I know. I, I know they're good. I just haven't. That's why. Because like Dear God, I have such a absolute hard on for Bunny of Isaac. It, Hades feels like the Isaac killer. That's that's at least what I've seen of it. Like it's better than Binding of Isaac or it's going to kill the genre? No, I think that it, it will subvert Isaac as the king. Okay. Eventually, whenever it fully comes out. Okay. Because I, uh, I think it's still in early access. I think so. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm interested. But the, the biggest piece of advice I have is for a, when a game is in early access, if you... Like it if you play it and you like it, just buy it because it's cheaper if you buy it in early access. And um, if you don't mind just waiting, if you really like the product that you have so far, it pretty much can only get better from there. Um, this is obviously not true of everything. If something is in such early access that you cannot fucking tell what the end product is going to be like, don't do it. But for a game like Hades, a roguelike basically lives and dies on the way the game feels and the way the unlock system works. Um, games with good unlock systems include Binding of Isaac, FTL, um, Rogue Legacy has a really good unlock system. Um, and that's why those games like stand at the pinnacle of the genres. Because like it, it literally feels like you personally are getting better, but also the game is getting easier as you go. Which is a really nice, like, duality sort of feeling. Okay, but roguelikes are cool. What's your score on that? On FTL? If you like roguelikes and have never played it, it's a fucking 10. If you've never played a roguelike, this may not be, like, the best way to to, to get you interested in the genre. Because it's so strange of a roguelike. So probably, like, a... I'd still say, like, a... 8 out of 10, though, because it's just such a good game. Okay. All right, now, little side question. Would you say this is your favorite rogue- roguelike, or...? My favorite roguelike is Rogue Legacy. Bar none, 
That's my favorite because it feels like you're playing a roguelike Castlevania game, and that feels fucking awesome. What what, what do you think about Dead Cells? I've also been interested. I've in that. never played Dead Cells, but I don't know. I I sort of fell off roguelikes once Binding of Isaac Rebirth came out, and just played the fuck out of that. Yeah. But FTL is definitely it's probably my number two. Outside of Rogue Legacy. Rogue Legacy's so fucking good, though. Alright, Zach. It's your turn. Okay, so... First one I'll talk about... Uh, I'm gonna talk about... So, some of you may have heard of... A game series that we've talked about a few times on here... Uh, called Persona. Yeah! But uh, before Persona came... Man, we've the original Persona a lot. Every yeah. episode. It comes up <laughs> in some form or another. I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> yeah, but before Persona uh, came the Father series, because Persona is based off of this series, uh, a series called Shin Megami Tensai. And Shin Megami Tensai uh, originally came out on... The very first one came out on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in 92, I want to say. That sounds about right. Yep. Yeah, and, you know, I've always heard of this series. Like, you know, probably the most popular and well-known of that series is probably Nocturne. That was the first one to come out here in the U.S. Technically not true. There was uh, an SMT game for the Virtual Boy. (sighs) How many people actually got the Virtual Boy and played it? <laughs> I'm serious, though. No, I'm sure you are, but earlier, how many people did that? Oh, like nobody. But, Yo, but that Nocturne HD remaster? That's looking nice. <gasps> and it's the Rado Kusanoa version. I, th- I think you can still get Dante, I though. think you can. I think they're having it as DLC. Yeah. That's fine, but I want the Rado Kusanoa. But Dante has the music. But it's DMC2 Dante. But he yeah, has that. but Rado Kusanoa's mm-hmm. got Yoshitsune. Can I have a hot take real mm-hmm. quick? DMC2 Dante, I think, is his best design. I do like DMC2 Dante design. It's so good. I have no stake in this. DMC3 Dante, also very good, but 4 but DMC is th- my second favorite. DMC3, they were playing up the hot, hot, hot shirtless man sex appeal angle. Yeah, dude. Two brothers fighting shirtless in the rain. <laughs> so anyway, Shimogami Tensei. So, the, the, so uh, the forebearer. So... It's a very interesting series because, you know, Persona has gotten, I'll even flat out say, Persona has gotten a lot more love in the West and a lot better as a whole reception because it's just more widely known and talked about and played by people. I think it's also because there's, like, more character interaction. It's more character-driven. And most of the other SMT experiences are, like... It's lore-driven. It's world-driven. Yeah, it's... A, it's you're exploring a world and having to figure out its mysteries. And that, and, that, that would be... You know, and, and, and also, they that hard. And it brings up a point that, you know... Sure, the Persona games had their dark moments, but SMT as a series is just a lot more of a bleak and dark series compared to Persona uh, by, a, like, uh, by great degrees. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Literally, SMT3 Nocturne starts with the world fucking ending. Uh, Strange Journey ends with you being teleported through Antarctica to the demon world. I'm pretty sure the final boss of SMT1 is God. Pretty much. Yeah. It's not even like... It's not even like the the JRPG, a bunch of teenagers band together to kill God. But it's like some stand-in for God. No, it's literally God. 
<laughs> Maybe that's, that explains all of my religious views. It's because I play too many JRPGs where I kill God. Dude, if a JRPG doesn't end with you killing God, then what was the fuck? And if it doesn't you? start with you saving a cat, <laughs> yeah, then what the fuck was it? What was the, the fuck was the point? Okay, so uh, out here, out here in the West, like you know, Nocturne is the more most more well known and easily accessible of the Shin Megami Tensei games that mm-hmm. kind of started its popularity out here in the West. Whereas the first and second game were pretty much exclusives basically to Japan and for the SNES. And uh, so it's kinda of hard, like there are ways you can get around it and can play it, but if you if it, you own an iPhone you can play the first Shin Megami Tensei if you buy it. But not if you own an Android. So and with my Chromebook iOS exclusives. Fucking hell. And with my Chromebook it's a hassle to try to do anything like that. By lot by a lot, I mean really big pain in the ass. So, uh, I found someone that did a playthrough of the first Shin Megami Tensei, and I will say it is, it's very, very interesting. Like, in one thing I noticed, like, even for an old game, like, there's something almost like an abstract form of uns- unsettlingness to it between the music and just the overall tone it gets. Like, it's like something feels like very off here do they do they still have that designer guy who did all the demon designs back then uh yeah because like you have like a lot of things like you have like your pyro jack and your okay so yeah it's still the same guy Mm. that guy's designs are out of this fucking world Mm. they're they're pretty sweet his designs are so good this is also before they redesigned some of the demons Mm mm-hmm uh, yeah, because they because the series frequently both Shin Megami Tensei and Persona frequently goes through redesigns of demons mm-hmm. a lot. Oh like, yeah, like a lot. Like Odin, garbage design in most modern SMT games. He's got a good design in four. Yeah, in but Persona it's, four and five. It's not as good as his old design. It's true, but it's all right. It's not a bad design. Oh no, I'm thinking of Thor. I don't even Thor, remember what Thor's. Odin. Thor's got a great design. Thor's design is so good. See, that's the problem with Odin. You don't remember what his design is. I He's a progenitor god of the Norse mythology. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, like you know, but okay. First, Shin Megami Tensei. You start off in this weird dream world that seems like a very weird hallucinogenic nightmare as you're just kind of being forced to go through these corridors you decide the name of your character uh that being your protagonist and then you find two characters who you meet them in the dream and they become your party members in the real world and like one of the more well better known aspects of Shin Megami Tensei is the alignment system which if you play anything like Dungeons and Dragons you will pretty much get the gist of this you have neutral, which is just, you know, you're neutral. You don't really kind of go one way or the other. And then you have law and you have chaos. And a big focus of pretty much all Shin Megami Tensei and a lot of their side games is how are you going to interact with the world? How are you going to interact with the characters? And it's this big idea of tipping, either tipping the scales one way or the other, or keeping, or it, keeping neutral. it neutral. And there are consequences to whatever choice you make. Yeah, I think my favorite thing about SMT, generally speaking, is that there's no best ending per se. The neutral ending is usually like the most positive. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but there's ne- there's always drawbacks. There's oh ne- yeah, for sure. You'll never come come through clean without something. Well, because well, neutral usually involves some like variation of maintaining the status quo, mm-hmm. which is usually fucked in some. And way. it's often seen by a lot of people as you're just being a lazy piece of shit and you don't want to pick sides when really you probably should have. The only one where neutral ending is arguably the best is SMT4. Mm-hmm. And that's because you have to grind your balls off to get the neutral ending. Like you have to follow the most rigid specific is, ending path like, I've ever fucking seen. You have to follow a guide from the start of the game. You have to do like much. the optional arena too mm-hmm. and like not kill anybody in it, which is weird and strange and I don't know how I feel about it. But um 4 is 4 is interesting. So well. like with the first game like you know you meet your two initial party members that you'll eventually meet in the world and each of them represents, like, they're almost like how you have, like, people that represent, like, the Arcana and Persona. These two characters, one of them represents, is definitely, is the law-aligned character, and one of them is the chaos-aligned character. And as you interact with them through the game, as you make decisions, as it's like, do I do this? Do I say, no, I'm not going to do this? They will criticize you and judge you for your actions, because it's like, you should have done this, or no, how could you have done that? Mm-hmm. And then you'll get your... Fourth main party member, who is your, a lot of people like like to call her heroine because she's your female party member. Who she's interesting. She adds a, a lot of interesting dynamics to it. But especially coming from like you know, I've mainly played Persona. I've just kind of more recently started getting the SMT uh, combat. Like combat is very interesting. It's like you know, I know how combat works in SMT. It's just seeing it when I'm just so used to Persona formula, formula it's like, okay, this I see how this works. It takes some getting used to, but I eventually kind of got a hang of it. And in the original first game, there's like a lot of like little, it's not, I would say it's not very user-friendly by any means. Oh yeah, no. That's like the same problem Persona 1 has is that like the UI and like a lot of the way that like the game plays is aged like fucking dog shit in mm. terms of quality of life. A nice hot bowl of milk left out in the sun for oh 20 God. years. <laughs> for 20 years. Yeah, so Rain, like, snow. So, like, you know. This thing. Like, you, like, you know, you have your weapons that you can get. And some of them, it's like, oh, I got this new fancy weapon. Oh, great. I want to go ahead and use this. And then it's like, what the fuck? Why can't I use this? Well, then there's also little things at each weapon. Like, some weapons can only be equipped by males. Some weapons can be equipped by any... Males or females. Some can only be female exclusive. Some of them can only be equipped depending on what your alignment is. And it's very... It can be very hard to tell what your alignment is in the first game. Like, there are ways you can kind of go about to find out about it. Like, one of the most obscure ones that the guy who was playing this brought up is... You know, as you're moving through your map, you'll have your little icon show where you are in the map. If you're just doing, like, a little wiggle wiggle, then you're neutral. If, if you're icon is spinning clockwise, then you are lawful. Counterclockwise, you are chaos aligned. <laughs> That's so fucking bizarre. Or you, another way that a lot of people is like, this is the way to do it, is if you can equip weapons that are set for a certain alignment or something like that, then that's one way you can do Because if you aren't in that alignment, then you can't use those weapons or skills. Yeah, but sometimes the cold demons are on the bad side, and some of the other cold demons are on the good side. I'm usually um, in like the the realm of either neutral or chaos ending. I gener I generally don't like the law endings. 
But that's just like my personal preference. Mm. But yeah, no, and or like status ailments. Like the game's also not friendly at all, and explain what the fuck these status ailments do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember hearing about this. Like, there's so many of them. It's like, okay, you get you got inflicted with bind. Well, what the fuck is bind? You got inflicted with happy. Why is that a bad thing? It's all bad shit. You don't want any of that. <laughs> and then, like, and thankfully, like this guy who's playing it, like he goes down. And he's like, you know, and he even says, like, this is not very user friendly. It takes a lot of trial and error, or just flat out just looking up a guy to figure out what the hell does this shit do. And explaining, explaining, it's like, and if I were younger and playing this, and I had no idea what I was getting into, I would probably absolutely hate this game. I think this is stupid. This doesn't make any sense. What the fuck's the point of this? Mm-hmm. But look, looking at it now, it. it Fascinating is like the best way I can describe describe it, and you know the story's kind of basic in a lot of regards because you know it's an older game. But there's a lot of interesting little things about it. It's like okay, this is neat. I like some of the little things that they're doing with this. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those I wish I had a decent enough PC and I wasn't using a Chromebook so I could actually legitimately like actually get this on my PC and try to get this to work and just try it myself just to see how I feel with it. Because there are some people that, you know, regardless of the age and regardless of how much of a pain in the ass it can be to get it to properly work. I know some people who, even with all the Shin Megami Tensei games, there's a lot of people that really like one and hold one to be their favorite. Because even now, there's certain aspects of the story and certain mm-hmm. ways that it kind of goes about things that r- people really dig. So... And I can't really... I don't really want to give it a backlog for because, you know, I haven't really personally... Played it, and it's hard, especially for a game like that. It's kind of hard to really gauge. Mm-hmm. Just, just buy an iPhone. <laughs> I don't like iPhones. Yeah, I don't either. either. <laughs> the one good thing about iPhones, you can play Stream of yeah, you, can, you can play the world ends with you, or you can play that god awful Switch port with the really bad pointer controls. Holy fuck! I'd like to get up on a soapbox for a moment. Holy shit, though, that fucking port of The World Ends With You on the Switch is god-awful shit garbage. It's so bad. It's so bad. I you play The World Ends With You, right? No. What? I don't like I know it. about it. I've been interested, I just haven't. It's. It seems like something very up your alley. I do not like the art for it. That's fair. It, look, sometimes I don't like Nomura. I don't particularly like the art in The World Ends With You either. But uh, I'm always holding out the hope that there will be a good design because, you know, we got a dress made out of belts in FF10. And um, yeah. that's like the one reason, that's like the one reason why I still have to kind of trust that man. So anything else you want to say about SMT, Zach? Uh, you know, uh, for, for you peeps out here... Uh... No, go out and try SMT. It's you know, especially if you play Persona, you get a general idea of how the world kind of works. Like as far as oh, here are demons, and especially Persona Five with negotiations and just like having to negotiate with demons, using elemental magic, doing debuffs, and trying to abuse those debuffs and weaknesses. You no, know, 
it is worth a try, especially with Shin Megami Tensei Five coming out next year for the Switch. Yep, spring twenty twenty one. Spring twenty twenty one. Worldwide release, which yeah. is the craziest part. If you're looking for something right now, uh, Strange, uh, SMT Strange Journey Redo is available on the uh, 3DS I've, store for like thirty bucks. Uh, also, the, Shin Megami Tensei Four is a really I feel like good entry. Yeah, I feel like four. Yeah, I feel like four would be a better entry yeah. point than Strange Journey. Four is a genuinely good entry. I, point I might as have well. screwed myself. Strange Journey is my first SMT playing. It's wild. Four is the one I started with, and it's very grounded. Oh. I'm going, well, I'm, up until the bit where shit happens and you go. Uh, I, I just I need to finish Strange Journey. So I'm like almost three quarters of the way through oh. that game. But it hurts you know, my brain. And it does get to a point, because, you know, we've been talking about the series. I actually really like the first Persona, because, like, I played the fur, the, like, the Persona remake for the PSP. Yes, control-wise, like, it's very, it's very, very archaic. It could be, a, honestly, it's a bit of a ball ache to kind of get through sometimes. You have to consider that it came out around the exact time FF7 did. Mm-hmm. Like, it came out, like, a few months before FF7. Mm-hmm. Which, um... It's pretty funny to me, because I feel like if that release date was shifted even a little bit, I feel like our world timeline would be completely fucking different. But, um... Like, you know, in, like, the first Persona, like, it kind of ha- keeps some of the more dark elements from the SMT series, and I I like that. I really do. I mean, the final boss is a penis monster that peels back and reveals a butterfly man. That's pretty high. It's fucking nightmare-inducing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Persona's weird. The original Persona's weird, but in a lot of good ways. I mean, Hitler's the bad guy of two. Yeah. Good. And I'm not talking like someone like re- like made like Mecha Hitler or something. No, it's literally Hitler. I wish we could bring Hitler back to put another Nazi in the ground. You know? I feel like we need a good reminder of that. <laughs> I, I feel as though games with Nazis in them will always... Like, you you will never feel bad about killing Nazis in video games. Oh, uh, you'd, you'd be surprised. You can't. A, a, a lot of Nazi sympathizers nowadays are like, it feels wrong to be butchering these people. They just have their own opinions. Like, wow, well, alright, dude. Their opinions is genocide, so I guess that's alright. <laughs> Fuck out. Fuck out. Yeah, no. But Wolfenstein, the, the, the Wolfenstein reboots, mm. fucking wonderful. With that regard, <laughs> you're just like, oh, look at these Nazis. So <laughs> They're go out, dead. Go out and punch a Nazi. Yeah, dude. They deserve it. Alright. Uh, you, you done, Zach? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. So... I watched the first season of True Detective. It stars Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. Oh, so you hated it. I So, a disclaimer, I fucking hate the shit out of goddamn fucking Matthew McConaughey because he's a dirty trash man who only ever plays dirty trash men in any of his roles. True Detective is a uh, detective duo... With, played by Buddy, uh, Woody Harrelson and um, uh, Matthew McConaughey in Louisiana. So, perfect. There you go. Matthew McConaughey can be a trash, gross Louisiana swamp man. <laughs> and he plays it well. I mean, he's a good actor. He really is. Yes. Um, he does He does the one role. He does the one. He, he, has, like, the, he has the John Wayne syndrome. He's like he's, Vince Vaughn. I would, I would say he's a closer akin to Adam Sandler. 
where there are correct roles to put Matthew McConaughey into, and there are incorrect roles to put okay. him into. That's... If you put him into a very specific scenario, he's, he's great, and, it's... and you will get gold out of him. And it's gross swamp, man. <laughs> Adam Sandler has the same issue. Apparently Uncut Gems is fucking amazing. Yeah, I've heard that too. I need to watch it. Um, so, True Detective, it's a uh, murder mystery in the swamps of Louisiana. Um, all I can say about this show is that I think it is all things considered about police brutality right now. It is very good at showing, uh, what abuses police can do and how it like shows what you need to be aware of. Uh, it kind of shows what's a good cop, what's a bad cop, what are good things to do if you're in the line of duty, what are bad things. Uh, most importantly, it made me hate Woody Harrelson and like Matthew McConaughey. Oh, what? I know. If I if this show can make me fucking hate Woody Harrelson's character and like Matthew McConaughey's, it has to be a good show. Wow. Um, I don't want to get too into detail with it um, because you can end up with some spoilers early on, but it is a very interesting and charming show. And if you want a good depiction of life in Louisiana, this is a pretty good one. As someone who lived uh, just a few miles away from Louisiana, it's, it's pretty spot on. There's a lot of bayous, uh, a lot of, a lot of references to uh, hurricanes that have destroyed Louisiana in in the last few decades. Uh, it's <laughs> it's a wild show. You watched a couple episodes or looked over my shoulder while I was watching. Of like it. one episode yeah. for a few seconds. It's weird, ain't it? I literally just saw Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey like sitting like at a bar or something like that for a few minutes. Oh yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> like literally, that is all I saw. I know, like how a true detective, which. Mind you, I've been interested in watching True Detective because I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's just that's all I saw of you watching it. It's 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 pretty interesting to watch. Uh, Which, in, you know, you know me and the fact that I like crime cop detective dramas. Yeah. I, I like I like that. Uh, so this is an HBO show. Yeah, and I and how much HBO sex do we get? Uh, you don't get a whole lot of sex. You do you do get to see some titties sometime. So pretty standard for HBO. Yeah, you get to see three three female characters' titties. Yeah. Uh, uh I will say this is a lot of uh, the topics that it deals with are like cults, sort of, and uh, child child sexual abuse. Wait, uh, are we talking about like swamp cults? Swamp, yeah, swamp cults, and they like molest and murder kids and women. Ah, yeah, it's 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 a tough it's a tough topic uh, to to deal with. Uh, there's also, who there's one scene where I uh, they talk about a lady who was tweaking on uh, like meth or something, put her newborn in a microwave to dry it off, and killed her kid. <laughs> And, you know, that's just the reality of the world is, you know, you get tweakers who sometimes put their kids in microwaves to dry them off. And it's a, it's a harsh, gross, disgusting reality that we live with and have to deal with. Uh, 
Well, it's a good show. I'd, I'd, I'd give it a um, a nine out of ten. I think that's the highest score I've ever seen you give anything. On yeah, this show. I'm, I'm very critical on things. I, I've noticed. But yeah, it's it's a good show. Uh, great, great opening. Uh, uh, and the second season is it out now or is, so that, is it going to release? Soon? It's three seasons. Seasons two and three are already out. Okay, so it's yeah. already out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I what I have heard for season two is that Vince Vaughn and Rachel McAdams are in it, and that's got me interested because I like both of them. Um, well, Turner's not back yet. Zach, do you want to go? Mm. Or you want me to do a quick one over The Witcher real quick? Let's go over The Witcher. Okay, so I have recently <clears throat> finished watching uh, The Witcher TV show on Netflix. And I know absolutely nothing about The Witcher. I've not played a game. I've not read a book. Do you at least know it's about Geralt of Rivia and he's a witcher? Oh, that was the main character's name? Ah, oh, shit. I didn't know that his name was Geralt of Rivia. Um... So it's, I feel like it's a very good way to be introduced into the world of The Witcher, uh, to understand like the magic systems and understand who some of the big name characters are and what they do. A little bit of the political struggle in the world, um, a lot of good world building. I like the, uh, you've watched the, the mm-hmm. show, right? I have. I like the, uh, the idea of, uh, Law of Surprise. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Geralt's a fun character because he he's he just mad. Yeah, Geralt, Geralt, I Geralt of Rivia, I love to absolute death because you know when he's serious and things need to be serious, he's serious. He's angry, can be a very angry man. Yeah. But then so much of the time he was just so dry, like that dry humor of his. Like I love to absolute death. Well, and you know he also just wants to help people too. Because, like, several times Tutor. in the show, he tries to, like, help the people, try to get closure with the monsters and stuff. Oh, uh, you missed out. Uh, the True Detective Season 1 got a 9 out of 10 from me. Okay. Uh, now, now I'm talking about The Witcher, the TV show. Oh, dude, I really like that TV show. Yeah, I feel like it's a good way to get into the world of The Witcher. Lauren's now playing The Witcher 3. It's a great game. She's a little overwhelmed with all the quests. Yeah, it's... Um, there's, there's a lot to do in The Witcher 3. The Witcher 3 is one of those games where 100% completion is for crazy people. I've heard there's like 300 uh, hours of gameplay yes. at least. If she has the DLCs... Not yeah, yet. The, <laughs> so those DLC packs are some of the best DLC packs to exist in the gaming industry. Nice. You know, uh, you know what a fun fact. Right up there with Artorias the Abyss and Shivering Isles for Oblivion. Uh, did I ever tell you I actually got uh, the Platinum Trophy and all the trophies for the expansion of The Witcher 3? Zach's a madman. That astonishes me more than the fact that you got the Platinum for Final Fantasy 13. Uh, Which, by the way, how? Uh, so Patience. I, I, how did you stomach that? I have a hot take. What's up? I fucking hate Yennefer. Yennefer. Yeah, no, Yennefer's garbage. Yennefer can be very hard to like. I do not like her. At all, she's fucking mean. I don't like any of her motivations in the at least in the show. I don't like any of her motivations. Are you done with it yet? Yeah, I'm finished. I I mean I do kind of like I feel bad for the whole like 
I didn't want a child, but now that I can't have one, I want one. That's pretty, like, humanistic, I think. It, I know, but... It, it comes across less like that in the books, in my opinion. I, I think it's just... I think it's my own mindset on things of, like, whatever decisions I made, I have to live with the consequences of, um, of it. But that's mm-hmm. a big thing, regret something everyone lives with, regardless of yeah, what decisions you make. It, it's just... The, the the idea of actively pursuing something to go against a decision that you made. Well, like, the whole thing is, like, eventually her... The, essentially, what is the apex of her character development is she realizes, I can adopt a kid. But it's not the same. Well, no. Like, she's like, well, it's pretty much the same. Is essentially what her, like, character arc eventually yeah, resolves but into. I just... I don't, like... She, she's so mean. Geralt and her basically I, become... Cirilla's uh, surrogate mom and dad. Yeah, but she's so mean. She she gets Why nicer. Why is she mean? She gets yeah. nicer. Jennifer oh, oh, is um, very... There There are times, like, I have come to appreciate, like, Jennifer's flat-out hateful cattiness. She's a bitch. <laughs> there are times I absolutely love... Like, you know, say, like, you know, like, seeing for The Witcher 3, I absolutely love... Like, uh, when you're back in... Oh, don't, don't. Lauren listens to this. Don't spoil it. Okay. No, yeah. Let's... Yeah. (laughs) Can't spoil it. No spoilies. Sorry. God God damn it, Lauren. You being so slow and... (laughs) I feel like what I said... She she played, like, The Witcher for 12 hours last weekend. She's just... She's just doing all the side quests. Yeah, that's how you play the game. game. side quest. That's the whole game, I feel like, is all side quests. Is she going for, like, a... Magic. I, I don't know. You don't know? I'm letting her play the game. But, uh, uh, The Witcher, the TV show, that's that's good, like, seven out of Henry ten. Cavill fucking kills him. Oh, wow. Henry Cavill, that's a hot dude. That's that's a good looking man. Also, whoever they got to play Dandelion fucking kills it as well. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, he's so good. Like, you know, the, the whole, like, I feel as though Toss a Coin to Your Witcher is a little overblown, but... But the, like the, the chorus is so good. I'm saying, and the general just like playfulness and like the oh shit of Geralt, uh, come take over for this. Like that is so dandelion to a fucking T. Whoa, what are you watching over there, Turner? That's a clip from the Boondocks. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I follow this this Twitter account called Boondocks Moments. And uh, occasionally, you just see great moments from the Boondocks, because that show's fucking great. But yeah, Witcher, 7 out of 10. Your turn, Turner. Um, I will I will talk about one very briefly, and then dive into my main one. I watched The Great Pretender. I know it's kind of a recent show on Netflix, but my overall impression of it is that it is pretty good. Okay. I, I think it's nice to have... An anime character who is openly bisexual and very clearly into the main guy. Um, it's nice. It's somewhat refreshing, rather than just everyone is horribly straight. Oh, speaking of anime, did you see where people are trying to convince Shonen Jump to like put disclaimers on some of their series in regards to the way that some characters treat women? No. Like, some of the old Dragon Ball Z stuff were like, Kid Goku's, like, patting Bulma's vagina. And uh, other weird sex 
things that anime characters. I feel like do that... I feel like eventually the, the the culmination of this is that Masaroshi is just airbrushed out of every single <laughs> scene of I mean, Dragon Ball. I feel like Masaroshi is a little problematic. <laughs> Masaroshi is problematic. I would so, say he's the most problematic so, thing in you that know, whole maybe, show. Maybe putting a disclaimer about some of this stuff wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, I think that here's the thing: you have to look at stuff like that as a product of its time. I think they. It's more like if trends like that continue into modern manga to True. put disclaimers out. I, I would agree. But something like Dragon Ball, you, you have to look at it as a Well, I mean, you could do it like uh, like they did with Looney Tunes. Just be like, this is a reflection of views from 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dragon Ball is like 40. Oh, God. I forget how old Dragon Ball is. Dragon Ball is old. God. So. It's like mid-80s, I think. So the Pretender. Yeah, Great Pretender. So... I don't know how much you guys like heist movies. Mm. I know Will doesn't like heist movies. Dep- really depends on the heist movie. Um, I don't know how much you like con uh, artist movies. Does a uh, does a uh, does the Big Short count as a as a heist movie? Because the American public got fucked in that. I don't know what you're talking about. The the Big Short, the movie about the 2008 financial housing market collapse. Did you talk about this? No. How have I, I how have I never told talked to you about the big short? I don't know how you've never held me down and made me watch it. Okay. Alright. Um, <laughs> but the Great Pretender is a We're done with the podcast. Turner's fixed to <laughs> The Great Pretender is a it's a show about con artists. And it has roughly every single just about every single con artist slash heist movie plotline contained within a show. The first arc is essentially conning a drug dealer by making a fake drug that he can sell and then conning him out of a fuck ton of money. The second... Pick, pick, like, giving like a big old batch of like Pixie Six and bleach powder and be like, here you go. Yes. Almost literally that, yes. <laughs> uh, the second one is rigging an air race... And then the third one is about uh, getting an art, basically forging an art painting so that the world's greatest appraiser st- can't tell the difference. Um, overall, I would say it's fairly good. The second arc is the peak for me. I really like the dynamic of the air race and like what it does for some of the characters. Um, overall, though, my impression of the show is that it's a pretty solid 7 out of 10. It- it's nothing... Revolutionary. This isn't going to change how we look at anime, but it it is a step in the right direction for like I don't know, just a lot of things. It, it does a lot right, and it doesn't do very much wrong, which is probably its greatest strength. Uh, but the main thing I wanted to talk about was um, so we're in the midst of a global pandemic right now, right? Yeah, we? yeah, we still actively are, despite the what our current federal government is trying to, to tell us. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> so we can't go to the bar and hang out with our buds. We can't come and play board game night with our buds. Now, the board game night part is uh, specifically what I'm going to be talking about here today. Can't you can't drink beer with your buds and say you got to brew toilet wine. I think that's just you, but okay. Um, yes, I, feel, I feel like that is more of an Odie thing, personally. <laughs> I mean, Odie would... 
Look, maybe well, Odie... Odie was brewing Twilight Line and telling everybody it was Jankums. So, look, like, what are, if maybe Odie, Odie was onto something. If Odie were to ever go to prison, he would be the one that would do like the Twilight Line Empire in prison and would make a living off of tuna packets and ramen noodles. Dude, Odie's Odie would be a king in prison. <laughs> That's the part that depresses me. But back to the whole board game thing. How familiar are you guys with the Lion Game? We've all played some variation of it, whether it be The Resistance, Secret Hitler, Mafia. Have I played something like that? I don't One Night that. Werewolf. I have One Night Werewolf. I haven't played it yet because I haven't had people to play it with. Well, shit. Well, then this might be the game for you. It is a game where you decide, or sorry, where you are... You know, there are people who are innocent, there are people who are not innocent, and the not innocent people's job is to kill everyone who's innocent, and the innocent's job is to find out who the guilty people are. What game is this? I am talking, of course, about Among Us, a game that is very much in the cultural zeitgeist right now. I thought that was a Pokemon. Among Us? No, Among Us. There's Among Us Among Us. (laughs) So Among Us is a game that is $5 on Steam or free to play on your mobile device. Do I, do, does it have ads? The mobile device does, but they're not video ads. Oh, they're just pop-up little get-in-my-way kind of there, ads? There's the, they're the kind of ads that play at the end of like the end of a game session, and then you just hit the X button and you, and you go to the next game session. Oh, that's, not, that's not too bad. They're very unintrusive ads. Um, but basically the whole thing is you are trapped on a derelict ship with your buddies and one to two imposters and the imposters have a kill button and a sabotage button and the crewmates basically their job is to fix all of the systems on the ship and each of them have tasks Um, the crewmates have an emergency button where they can call a meeting and vote someone out or if you find a body, you can report it, and then you start a meeting where you can try to vote someone out. But the, the, the whole thing with this game is essentially that it's all about lying to your friends, which is the fun part, and learning everybody's tells, which is the other fun part. Wait, so, uh, okay, so remind me. Three normal people, three imposters? Um, it's, so it's, if there's seven or more... Then you have two imposters. If it's less than seven, there's one imposter. Okay, so... Because that makes you wonder, like... Depending on how much you really want to kind of fuck around with people. Say, like, if you had, like, two imposters. If, like, the imposters got together and it's like... Okay, one of us is going to die so we can fuck around and cause more discohesion with everyone... And try to do some shenanigans like that. I, I think my favorite thing is um, when, there, when there's two imposters and like it's you and like another person and then an innocent person walks in. One of the imposters just kills the innocent person and then blames it on the, innocent, the other innocent person in the room. Because then the other imposter just backs him up. It's like, <laughs> no, I saw him. But um, basically there's like... There's just so much you can... There's so much fun to be had of lying to people. And of trying to suss out who's lying. Are you considering a career in politics? No, but <laughs> I, I genuinely think that that makes for an interesting game. And seeing it translated into... Like, you know... It's, it's essentially a board game translated into a, a video game. 
Um, like Town of Salem is another example, but I think it's better than Town of Salem. Or Project Winter, but it's not quite as in-depth as Project Winter, but it's way cheaper. It's, it's essentially the everyman, really fun Discord game to play with your mates. The, my favorite thing about it is that it encourages you not to talk while the game is actually running and only talk during discussions. So, like, everybody just mutes their mic and you just, you just all go until a body's found or, you know, until you see someone do something that, go, that makes you, oh, no, that's... That's a little suspicious. That's not an innocent person. That's a suspicious asparagus. Um, so, so what would you rate it? Uh, dude, it's a 10. In this day and age, it could not have come along at the perfect time. Nice. At a more perfect time. And granted, I say come along, but it came out like two years ago, but nobody played it back then. Because no one had to. Because they could all just see each other. Yeah. And lie like they always do. Overall, though, I would highly recommend that you guys play it. We can play it over Discord at some point if you want. It's really fun. I don't want to hang out with you guys. You unintentionally <laughs> hang out with me. Yeah, we, well, you live together. We have so. a living transaction, Zach. We have to hang out. A together. living transaction? Wow. Uh, pretty much as far as it, I give him money, he allows me to sleep in one of the rooms. <laughs> and then I give all the money to another man who allows me to sleep in the rooms. That's uh, it's a sad state of affairs. Do either of you have anything else to talk about? Yes. We still have the boys. We do have to talk about the boys. Let's talk about the boys. Uh, you know, or do you, do you I'll talk about mine first because you know this is going to be like a, definitely like a you and Will type conversation that you can really get into. So I'll talk about my thing real quick, and then that can be like the send off. So, all right, uh, an anime that's been in my radar for a while, and Gibiati. No, <laughs> we haven't finished that, so I'm not talking about it. <laughs> So, I've looked at this, like, I've always seen this pop up, like, in, like, recommendations for, like, if you like horror anime, and horror anime has always kind of, for me, been hit or miss. Or... <laughs> Junji Ito's anime. <laughs> what a bad adaptation. Dude, ghost stories. <laughs> like, you know, horror, horror and... Horror in a lot of aspects, like, does so much better, and, like, and I don't know what it is, it's just a lot of horror in anime is just not really all that well done. Alright, look at Berserk. Perfect Blue is good. I haven't seen Perfect Blue. Um, Paranoia Agent is good. Okay, I've oh, heard of Paranoia. I'm, I'm, oh, I want to watch Paranoia Agent. That Wait, Perfect, so Bl- good. Perfect Blue. When did that come out? It's like in the 90s. Was that the one where it had like the spider woman shooting like webs out of her vagina or something like that? I don't think so. Coochie webs. Because I always see random gifts of that pop up on Facebook from those friends that sh- are, have no filter and sharing shit. And I'll see this. I'm like, what the fuck? Is-? Like, I- are, they, are those the friends that use the share button on Pornhub? No, they're not quite that bad. Uh, not yet. <laughs> they would do it just for shits and giggles, but they haven't done it yet. Mm. But uh, I'd do it if it was Cornhub Day, like April Fool's Day, where they just put corn videos on there. Dude, Cornhub was their best April Fool's joke. <laughs> you know, it, it weirds me out. I feel like April Fool's passed us by this year. Yeah, because no one wanted to fucking joke around because we're in the middle of a pandemic. We were like, similarly, it was 420 all month, and nobody made jokes. 
Yeah, because we were all too sad and everyone used up their stashes. That's true. They were like, I'm sad. This pandemic. So, uh, can't do, can't have, can't pay my drug dealer. Can't do nothing. Can't have shit in this house. Can't have shit in this pandemic. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> So, uh, like, you know, an anime, like, a horror anime I've seen pop up, like, in lists, like, hey, this is a good recommendation, recommendation if you like horror, horror anime, has been, what's this one called Shiki, and, like, in, like, I saw some, like, just, like, little, like, stills from it, just seeing kind of, like, how the art looks, like, and I didn't really know all that much what it's about, and the one thing that, like, made me is, like, why should I watch this? The hairstyles. The hairstyles are so out there. Are, are we talking like Shaman King hairstyles? Or are we there? talking like Yugi Moto? No, uh, more Yugi Moto. Oh, oh Lord. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I'm pulling up a picture real quick so you can understand. Cause you, and for people at home, don't be afraid to look it up. It's just so weird for a hairstyle. Is it the Karen cut? No, no, you do not are, understand. Are we allowed to say the K word on this podcast? Oh, uh, hold on. Karen. Well, I don't hear us being demonetized. Uh, and we're not we, even monetized. Why are we so, mon- we'll never be monetized now because we used the slur. <laughs> Hold on. Let me see this shit. Come over here and turn out Casey. What? 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 The, 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 the more I look at this, the worse uh, it gets. Uh, the, the hair deposits. Uh, the top the left one. Look at the top left one, then look at like the old men ones in on the bottom uh, right. Uh, this is horrible. I'm uncomfortable. Oh god, it's like watching Baku guy. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you know what I realized today? Bakugan existed so long ago that they had games come out on the PlayStation 2, the DS, and the Wii. Makes you feel old. I used to like that series. Hey, Zach, let me know. Is this is that the hardest game of Spot the Pro Tag? <laughs> By that standard, everyone is the Pro Tag. Oh, okay. Which kind of isn't wrong in some regards. I hear there's some cool shit about vampires. I'll, and I'll, or this one that wasn't in the last one. Look at this shit. What the? F- Let me see. What the? F- They're like horns. How do you do that? I I, I Zach failed to understand. Zach, if you come home with a haircut like this, your, your mother and I are gonna have a conversation. Who's his mother in this scenario? I don't know. It'll just be my hand. It'll be... Zachary! So you'd be like... Zachary! Lopez of South Park? Here for Lopez! <laughs> so, oh, oh no, did, just... did you see that South Park's doing a pandemic special? An hour-long pandemic special. Oh, I need to watch that. I somehow have gotten into South Park in the last year, year and a half. Yeah, I, I think it's it's very interesting social commentary pushed through the lens of farts. Yeah. Uh, also, Basically. the West Wing is doing a uh, an hour special on HBO Max. It's not about the pandemic. They're doing no, a. It's about the election. No, it's a it's a reading of one of the old episodes. What? Yeah, I thought they were doing a special. Yeah, I th- I don't think it's not about Donald no. Trump and stuff. No, I, just, I I thought it was just about them trying to get people to go out and vote. You see, uh, oh, what was it? The cast of Princess Bride did a fundraiser for the Democratic Party, and Ted Cruz got real upset about it. Why? Because he loves that movie and has used the, like, 
the my name is Ted Cruz and I killed your father and someone else's mother because I'm the Zodiac killer. And he's like, the Hollywood is being politicized and we shouldn't let actors fundraise for candidates. It's like, are Dude, you I, a stupid motherfucker? I never think, I think Ted Cruz is, is in the stance of uh, of man, I don't want actors to be people. They're not people. They're perform characters. for me, monkey. Dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> dance. Sorry, Shiki. Yeah, so, so, what's political best, Shiki? <laughs> Shut Ted, up. Ted Cruz is gonna is gonna ban Ted, Ted Cruz is actually the main villain of Shiki. Fuck, he's the Zodiac killer in Shiki. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> okay, so all seriousness, so. Uh, she, First thing I noticed, weird ass hairstyles. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Why is this shit a thing? But then I, you learn to get desensitized to the weirdness of the hair. And once you do that, it's like, okay, I, I'm getting into this. And Shiki is weird. It's, it is one of those shows, like, and I'm surprised how much they went along with this. Like, it starts off with, like, uh, people have been dying, like, of this weird disease in this village, and... It's, it's a small village. It's a, you're almost like your typical small Japanese village. And, like, people are just dying and, like, they can't, they don't understand, like, how this is happening because the, the circumstances are very unusual. So, like, not a lot of people are dying. They don't really know. Uh, the one doctor in town who uh, was pretty much, like, from, like, one of the rich families and his family, his family line has always been the doctors in the village. So no, he has so so he has a very nice clinic for that kind of area, and so like him and his staff are trying to kind of like go almost like brainstorm, trying to think, okay, what exactly is happening here? Because like these are not usual. Because it's not like for, it's not like flat out like oh someone is murdered. No, these people are just dying in weird ways. It's like this is not medically normal. So like him and his staff try to brainstorm this, and then he has some characters that. Like, you have, like, his group that are kind of trying to do their own thing. You have his friendship with one of the local Shinto priests who, like, he was a childhood friend with. Like, him kind of interacting with him and his friend, like, having, like, all these struggles with faith and in general. Then you have, like, this other group who are, like, some of the high school students who are, like, kind of picking up, like, something weird is happening in town. And then there's the new family that moves into town. And... This random ass castle that is for some reason up on the hill, a western style castle. <laughs> what is this, Castlevania? Kind of, I know there's vampires, yeah. So eventually, it comes to light that there are vampires, and vampires are a thing. And one thing I'll give Shiki, and a lot of people don't like it because of this reason. It is such a slow build-up. Like, it takes forever for anything to happen. Like, what it's like, and it's all interesting stuff, but it's just slow. It just it t- really takes its time, like, doing, like, these little conversations of characters here, showing, like, connections here. That, that sounds like Calborn views Tarantino films. In some regards, I can kind of... not like Tarantino films? No, she doesn't. What? Yeah, to be fair, Tarantino makes films for white men. I mean, that's true, but... You know, I think he's only got one more film planned, because he said he was only going to produce ten films. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was number nine. That was a good movie. It was. Lauren hated it. <laughs> I I can't blame her. It did have Lena Dunham in it. Here's my thing with Tarantino. 
like good dialogue is a lost art. Conversations that go nowhere about nothing are so fucking hard to write well. Like, and you know, since I'm getting sidetracked too, like two Tarantino movies, I just love <clears throat> the random chitter chatter, the random bullshitting that people do. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs is like one of the kings <laughs> of it. Reservoir Dogs, and honestly, Death Proof. <laughs> Death Proof does have good conversation stuff as well. the The bit in Pulp Fiction that's yeah. is that's one of my favorites yeah, is when Fiction. they're in that dude's apartment. It's like even before the big Kahuna Burger thing. There's the bit where they're like, "Where's the briefcase?" And it's like, "Oh, it's up in the cabinet." No, the one to the left. No, that left. Like, there's like little things here and there that I love so much about Tarantino dialogues. That good burger. This is a a good burger. Damn good burger. Yeah, like ten o'clock in the morning. Like it's so and like also the uh, hateful eight has that bit. God, has that bit where they where, where the, you gotta put two, you gotta nails, put two in. nails in the door? I love that scene so much. <laughs> I like There's a four-hour director's cut on that. Yeah, the Hateful Eight. I genuinely want someone to adapt it into a play because you could. Four-hour play. I have a weakness for whodunits. Hmm. I have a big weakness for them. Anyways, actually, so yeah, super super slow build up, and you eventually learn that. Oh, these people are dying because they're vampires. And it's like, and it's weird because you don't... Like, you know, you have things like Helsing in anime where it's like, oh, you have spoopy vampire, but you also have guns and big-titted women. Yeah, dude, the big-titted police girl. Hey. So instead, for Shiki, you have vampires and bad hairdos. Yes, and... Is it the vampires who have the bad hairdos? No, pe- people and vampires both. All the hairdos are bad. All the hairdos are bad. It's the one unifying theme of Shiki is that despite all our differences, all of our hair is anime protagonists. All of our differences, we di- need to kill the hairstylist in this town. Yo, dude, I, I hope the barber is a character. No, you don't ever meet a barber. Oh, that sucks. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe people just cut their own hair because you know they're having their own pandemic because people are dying of a weird disease, or people are just going going ham and cutting their own hair at home and they have these weird ass hairstyles. <laughs> So, uh, like that, super slow burn, and it's like, what is this building up to? Because it's almost hard to really gauge. It's like, where is this going? I can see, like, a general theme here, but I don't really see where it's going with it. And then, like, I think it's, like, episode 15. Finally, episode, like, 14, 15, 16, something like that. Finally, like, shit hits the fan, and... Like, literally, every episode from... Like, and it's not that the early stuff was bad. It's just it's just slow. It's just super slow exposition and dialogue heavy. That finally, when the stuff hits, it's like... It is such a change of pace. It's like, what am I watching? And the early parts of Shiki are hard to recommend. But the later parts make up for it in absolute leagues. But then, I can't really say just go to that part. Because you'd be missing out on so much. And there are times when that later part, like the last part of the series, like it's like it hits rough. It's like it's like so unexpected, like how much like it hurts some of the things because like you know, and that's the thing you have all these little side characters you get to meet, seeing all these mean, meaningless, bullshitty conversations, and just kind of getting to know them. And then you're seeing all this stuff happen, and it's like 
this hurts more, so much more than I was expecting to. And then, like, and it plays into, like, the whole idea of, like, what is humanity and what isn't in respect to the undead, especially if you weren't really given a choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. Like, and it plays off on that angle, and it does a lot of cool things. There are some aspects of the ending I don't like. Like, because, like, you know, it has, like, one of the characters that are, like, one of the big characters is, like, uh, definitely, like, that stereotypical high school anime boy that is, like, the quiet, cool guy that... Is just secretly a badass. That's, that's secretly a badass. And that, I've seen that trope played very well. Cage of Eden has a really good one. Mm, mm-hmm. That dude's cool. That's a good series. I heard the ending was shit. I, I mean, it's not a... It's hard to end a series. Hmm. I mean, it's it's one of the better... I, I think it's got a better ending than Demon Slayer. Fair. Like, you know, like, and I had, like... Like, his ending is like, okay, okay, it, what else now? And then it's like, oh, that's it. But then, like, it really gives that good feeling of... In the end, so many people have died. Like, literally, this is one of those shows where... You're gonna find characters you like, and pretty much... Pretty much just about all of them are going to die in the end. Does it end like... Is it like the end of Macbeth? Kind of everybody's dead, or... Like, uh... Think of it almost like a... Like, almost like a wartime scenario. Where it's like, you know, you had your few survivors, and they just, like... They don't really even know what to do anymore. It's like, they survive, but then they just leave. Because they're like, what else am I gonna do? They just don't really have anything else in life anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, again, like, and I'm glad I watched this. It had a lot of good things with it. And like that, that super interesting and super slow, like, I'll say almost like getting close to like two-thirds of the anime portion, that, it's that last portion that that really makes it like, wow, that was something. Like, I, I would never have guessed that would have come out of that. But really, so as a whole, a lot of I know a lot of people probably would not give it a chance just because of how slow it is in the beginning. And I'll even say that there are times when I'm like, okay, this is kind of getting old. I want something to happen. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad it did it. So, like, for a general casual anime watcher, like, honestly, like, I'd probably give this maybe a four, maybe. Cool. Zach coming out here with a four. But, I mean, if you like watching anime, like, at, or just any form of media as an art form, and you like just kind of seeing... Except for the hair. Except for the hair. The hair's bad all, not, all the not way good through. Art. Bad art. But, like, if you like, if you like just seeing different types of media, like, even, like, you know, anime as a media, like, something that's a bit different, I would definitely say this is more kind of a... Probably a seven. If you just like, you know, I want something a little bit different in my anime because you know I've been watching a lot of samey stuff. I would definitely give this a recommendation if you want something different. All right, uh, Turner. Why don't we put off the boys until next episode? Yeah, I think honestly it would be better if you got caught up because I I I would love to talk about this with you, but I. Don't want We are an hour and a half in. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. I'm going to put off DMC4 as well until I finish it. All right, guys. We're going on break. We're back.
Yep. Yep. I feel like it was a productive break. Uh, a bunch of trailers came out in the like hour <laughs> since we started this podcast. Um, Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition, Final Fantasy 16, Resident Evil 8. So uh, we all just kind of looked at that shit bit. and had a collective orgasm. I'm just going to say orgasm because um, as soon as I saw Virgil, uh, something inside of me just like lit up. A little tingle. Little, I got a little tingle in my taint. Jesus. I was like, ooh, judgment cut end, you say. Final Fantasy 16 doesn't look like Final Fantasy 15. Ooh, boy. I'm excited. RE8 looks cool. I'm still waiting to see gameplay before I really... Same. I I hear they're going to do first person again, which I'm not too judged about. But, uh, whatever. We will talk more about RE7 in our discussion topic for the week. Hot takes or hills that you're willing to die on. So, put that in layman's terms for people who uh, aren't quite up to date with the hip young person lingo. So, this would be an opinion that you have that you will refuse to back down from. Even if you think it's not the most popular opinion, fuck it, it's your opinion. Yeah. Um, I mentioned one at the start of this podcast, which is that Dead Space should have tank controls. Which I, that is a hill I'm very willing to die on. I've got one. Thriller Bark wasn't that bad in One Piece. I, I'm with you. I, I like I. People actually really like Thriller Bark. So. People shit on that arc, but it is very important for the overall story, and that is the crew is not strong enough for the new world. Mm-hmm. No, and even the little critic like the criticisms I heard about it, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't. Yeah, they don't. People don't like the aesthetics of. Thriller Bark, it's supposed to be like a weird horror fantasy land. Like, it nails it. Uh, the villain, there's not a whole lot of villains. It's hard to come off of uh, the Water 7 arc and be as good as Water 7. Mm-hmm. But then, Thriller Bark does introduce you to Brooke and Brooke. Bro- my third favorite, Straw Hat. Cool skeleton music man. With so, your favorite, Zoro. Then, Frankie. Frankie? Oh, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And then, Brooke. Because I think Brooke is funny. Because he's like, oh, I can't believe my eyes. But they rotted out years ago. Yo! <laughs> That's great. He's cool. He's, he's a cool guy. He's got cool devil fruit. He can control his soul. He can remove it from his body. He brings the... Also, ice. he's a skeleton. Yeah, he brings the icy coldness from hell and wraps it around a sword and freezes people now. Yeah, dude, he's, he's spooky. He's like Big Mom's hard counter because she has a devil fruit that lets her manipulate souls and create like life into things with the soul or fragments of soul and Brooke just hard walls. <laughs> That's pretty like, cool. Oh, you have a cool thing? You have a soul in that? I am more... It's gone. Just hard counter. That's actually Just, pretty whoop. neat. <laughs> the fact that Brooke of all people would be the counter to Big Mom is like, it's, it's it's wild. At one point, he gets captured by Big Mom because she's like, "Ooh, I don't have a skeleton man in my collection," and she sleeps with them. And Brooke is dead ass asleep with her. He's like, <laughs> and whenever the rest of the crew comes to save him, they're like, "Brooke, Brooke, Brooke." He's like, "Oh." Uh-huh. 
I fell asleep. <laughs> and not by a lovely woman. <laughs> I did not want to see her <laughs> Um, Do you want to have one? Or... I have several, I think. I'm try- you go ahead, because I'm trying to really think like if there's really like, any hard takes like I'll have on something. Because I'm pretty fluid on my entertainment. I'm not... I'm not the most difficult person to please. I know that. So, mm-hmm. okay, this one might even trigger you. Re seven is okay at best. There are moments of Re seven I feel like shine very well. There, there are there. I will talk about my favorite parts. I've heard the first third of that game is pretty good. The first boss fight with. Jack. With Jack Baker, he's the best fight in the game. That, the close second, I would say, being the one, the other fight that you have with Jack Baker. I really like that fight. You want to know what my favorite, probably my favorite boss in that game is? What is it? Uh, The Marguerite Baker fight. I can agree, I I can understand that. From like a classical Resident Evil standpoint, that tickled by loving of like classic Resident Evil fights. It's very interesting. It's interesting, and there's something about a creepy woman with bugs crawling out of her cooter that do all this nasty shit. I'm like, ooh, that creeps me in the in the wrong way because I have seen literal things coming out of, out of cooters in my work environment. And but like, I, I generally think the Baker family it would have been a much better antagonist than creepy little girl. You know, and, and, and I, like, like, okay, hold on, let me let me qualify a few things here. The problem with RE7, to me, is not even necessarily the first-person gameplay. I don't like the first-person gameplay, but I can get behind it. It's well-executed enough. I don't hate it. My problem with RE7 is mostly in its aesthetic. Mm -hmm. I, I also... The Molded are the shittiest general enemies I've ever seen in a video game. They're terrible. They're not even interestingly designed. No, they're kind of generic. They're the most generic monsters. Um, there's like, what, three variants? There's... Normal ones, crawly on four legs ones, fat ones. Uh, yeah, I think that's... Yeah, that's it. There might be another one I'm just glossing over because it's been a little bit since I played RE7. But yeah, I think those are like the three that come to mind. Um, and like, really, e- even... To me, Resident Evil is... Scary, horrifying, tense, suspense-filled, it is not spooky. And I don't think spooky works in like a like a bioterrorism sort of like story to me. And well, like it's definitely a shift from what is considered the standard. I I, I think that following up RE6. It's a very nice breath of fresh air. But I think, like, retroactively, it is not quite as good as it was when it came out. You know, because, like, you know, certain aspects of RE6 were enjoyable. I like, um, um, what's his name? The Wesker's kid? Oh, uh, Jake? Jake. I like Jake. Yeah, Jake, Jake and Sherry's... The Jake and Sherry dynamic, I like. It's probably the best part of the game. 
And honestly, like as far as like original characters, as like Helena in Leon's campaign. Helena's not bad at all. She's a decent character. I I have so many issues with the level design in Leon's. Chris's is just bad. I, yeah, I don't care for Chris's all that much. And Ada's campaign is the fucking dog shittest. Which is sad because I like Ada so much. I love Ada too. She's great. Okay, well, what do you think of Ada's design in Sick? I'm curious. What's your... Did she really need to have tight leather pants? Like, it's too much. It's too much. It's more practical than a big flowy dress where you're showing off all the potential lady bits as you're flying through the air. I mean, I get it, but, like, I don't know. It... I think the Chinese dress from 4 is my favorite one because it's like, it just screams, I'm a secret agent. And it's the goofiest, campiest shit ever. I will say that reveal in the Resident Evil 2 remake where she finally takes off that. The dress in RE2 remake is good too. Mm -hmm. That's that's a really good one. Yeah, because like, you know, you in all the trailers and teasers, you only ever saw her with trench coat and that's it. It's like... Oh, they get rid of the red dress. And then it's like, well, bam. It's like, oh, oh, she got the red dress back. And it's a good one. Like, here's my thing. (laughs) For a character that is constantly oozing sexuality, like, just oozes it. Like, I would say probably she's easily the most aesthetically pleasing out of all the RE uh, ladies, in my opinion. And, like, they dress her up accordingly. I feel as though... Tight leather pants and a button-up shirt. And is she wearing, like, pumps or something? I don't even remember what she's wearing. No, they're more like black leather combat boots. Okay, the combat boots are fine. But it's the it's the combination of the tight leather pants and the tight shirt that it, it's just a bit too much. I personally don't have much of an issue out of it. But I, I, I also think that your point is fine. Because, um, like, and don't get me wrong, I love the flowy red dress with the butterflies kind of emblazoned It's on just it. so goofy. With the high heels and everything, as she's using, like, her own personal back claw to just scale she up buildings. She Batman's away. It's so fucking... God, RE4 is the best. I really hope they don't fuck it up with the remake. I really hope they don't fuck it up. I'm going to be so sad. Like, Zach, I'm going to be so sad. I want them to remake of Veronica first. They're doing four. It's it's in development. As sad as it is, I don't think Code Veronica's getting shit. Which is a that is a shame. It really is. Uh, Code Veronica is a game full of good ideas and poor execution. I still like Code Veronica. Like it's probably in my top five. As far as the series go, I I just I really like Code Veronica. That's a hot take. Okay, I'll take that as a hot take. <laughs> uh, Will you got any more? It's hard to think of them on the spot, isn't it? Or like things like I didn't, oh. I don't really use. Like, oh, I didn't realize that was a hot take. Uh, the mm-hmm. only good part of Naruto is pre-Shippuden, and that is the only credit I will ever give Naruto. I kind of disagree. I think I think the pain fight is interesting. That is one shining glimmer in the pile of shit. I think shipping in. I think in general, a majority of the Akatsuki fights in Shippuden 
I think are real. Yeah, Daidara is pretty interesting. I'm not not even not interesting, but cool. I'm saying it's just I don't like Shippuden. It I it took away the magic from the series. No, it pumps up the magic really. (laughs) I'm saying you can. I get what you're saying. I'm saying you (laughs) you cannot deny the soccer and sorcery fight. Like that was like her shiny moment in that entirety of the damn series. I don't even remember that, homie. You you don't remember? <laughs> I don't remember it. We talked about this, and you said that was actually a good fight. I don't defend anything with Sakura. Bullshit. You said this fight I, in particular I, was good. Wait, hold on. You want to know my favorite moment from Shippuden? Hmm. My favorite moment from Shippuden when is when... When dies. What? What? Oh, yeah. That's good, too. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good, strong uh, motivating um, factor in that arc. So, also... Um, the one of the best parts is when Sakura's like, okay, everybody else has told me Sasuke's gotta go. I'm gonna go explain it to the walking nuke that is Naruto at that point. So she just goes up to Naruto and she's like, I love you. And he's like, what? She's like, you've always been in love with me, right? Well, I love you back. You're the one. It's not Sasuke. And there's like this pause. And he's like, shut up! <laughs> it's so fucking great. Where it's like, bitch, get out of here! I thought that was a fucking cringy, stupid moment. Oh, I thought it was... It's cringe as fuck, but it's funny. Because it's Sakura getting exactly what she deserves, and I'm always all about that. Uh, oh, another hot take. I think the... Uh, Ankara arc is much better than the Soul Society arc in Bleach. That's hot. That is a hot take. That's spicy. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Here's a few qualifiers, okay? I think the Grimjaw fight is the best fight in Bleach. The Unkiora fight, however, is dog shit. Yeah, it's just power escalation. It is dog shit terrible. I think... For, the, for me, Grimjaw... Absolutely great. I lo- loved every minute with Grimjow. Ukior was just crammed down your throat oh so much. It just gets to a point where it's like, okay, I'm ready for him to be done. I'm sick of seeing him. Mm-hmm. Bleach is at its best whenever Ichigo was able to pull up the, the hollow mask. Anything past that, not good. The full ring arc has the cool uh, moment. It uh, has dirty boots. I take it back. Uh, also a hot take. The, the Quincy War arc had... Astounding potential. It really did. No, and I agree with could that. have been one of the best arcs, and then the editor shut it down. Shits itself. Yep. Um. Hmm. Really though, you think a Roncar arc is better mm-hmm. than? I think the fights have more weight and are better. And I like the cast of characters that expands. Okay, after hold the on, Soul hold Society. He, hear me out though. Ichigo versus Kenpachi. Yeah, that's good. That's one of the only good parts about Soul Society. Mm. I hated everything with Rukia's brother. I thought that was dog what? shit. What? Bianca is so cool! I, I dog shit. The bit where Renji goes up against him and he's like, look at what all my training. I, and Bianca's like, yeah, that's cool, but no. I think Bianca is a shit garbage character. I kind of disagree. Uh, I like the, that. the ice guy, garbage character. What? I like him. He's so weak. He's cool. He's cool, but he's weak. He's cool. He's cool because he says "be gone" thought to his lieutenant. Uh, 
over on Giku. Mm-hmm. The yeah, I just like. Uh, I will say like there it more. It's, it's, um, a, I know, it's a hot take. Okay, I will say there. Like there are like certain moments with the Ronka Arca where I'm like, oh okay, I, I'm liking this. Like, oh that one fight that Rukia had where. Oh, the guy with the two things, the two with the two heads. with the two head with That's the two faces. Cool. Like yeah. in that moment, I thought like at the end of that fight, I thought Rukia legitimately died, and I would have been like, I, if, that, if that legitimately is what happened, they finally had the guts to actually like kill off a major character like that. Like I would have been Wait, like, you know, are you t- which arc are you talking about? The Ronkar arc. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was a good fight. Yeah, like, I, that was one of my favorite fights in that arc. That's. That's why I like it more because Rookie is actually a, a character who can fight, unlike Soul Society. Because if we're gonna go by who is, should be the princess in a dilemma, it's fucking Orihime, and Orihime yeah, is the princess your, in it's, dilemma. It's your healer character. Your yeah. healer character always should be the one who gets kidnapped. Rookie is a a bad princess in Man, distress. You want to know who the worst character in Bleach is? It's Uryu. Yeah. Yeah, I get, I get, I get. Uh, Bar none, uh, most underutilized character, Chad. Chad's so good. He's because so you know, cool. You know, you, know, you know what? He he starts doing it that final arc that gets cut. Dude, shit. he gets a left arm. He gets the left arm, which is his attack arm because it's his so right arm had just been defense. It's so cool. And they're like, fuck him, uh, garbage. I hate that. Bleach is so like he just, he just Bleach is so much things. squandered potential, and it makes me so upset. That's why the editor needs to be a, a a good match. Which is why I'm so glad One Piece has always <laughs> Oda's always had a good editor for One Piece. I guess surprises me that the editor gonna have that much pull in. Oh, they have a significant amount of pull. I think the uh, hot take another one. Uh, Bakuman is one of the best mangas I've read. Because I don't it, think that's a hot take. That guy is, does amazing work. It is important to read it to understand the manga industry. Mm-hmm. Um, part 5 is still not that good. It's not. It looks nice now that it's got an anime. It's, 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 easy it's jumped above part 1 for me. Now that it has an anime adaptation, and it still might be slightly better than part six. Oh, hot take. I think I like part one more than part six. I put part six down at the bottom. What? I don't like part six. I super disagree with this. The the last the last two chapters of part six are the best two chapters of that whole s- No, I disagree. I think there's really cool shit in the prison. Mm-hmm. I think the Kennedy Space Center is also a very good arc. The yeah. the, the last bit of Part six is the best. Okay, I don't like part six. I didn't like any of the characters. You don't like Jolene? Mm-mm. I love but Jolene. She's, she's the funniest of the Joe stars. I. It's just not a part. Well, that works Joseph's for. the funniest. He dead now. He's old. What do you expect? He's he, really he, old. He, he's dry bones, Joseph now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, disagree on you. Jolene's great. I like Jolene and. Part six had one of my favorite of the Joe Bros in the form of <laughs> Stop! Ermes Costello. I love Ermes. But also Foo Fighters. Foo, fi- Foo-, Foo Fighters didn't get Foo Fighters Weather did not get time. Emporio! I Okay, I will say Part Six crew as a whole 
Even Anasui, I I like Part Six's crew. Dude, Anasui looks at Weather Report and he said, "If there's no Mickey, this shit ain't Disney." I'm, and I'm just saying. How is that not hilarious I, I, to you? I mean, that's a good part. It's garbage part I'm, overall. I'm saying. Plus, Anasui has. This is why it's a hot take. This is why it's a hot take, and this is why people have hot takes because other people get mad. <laughs> Plus, and. Narcisco Anasui had one of the greatest stands ever in the form of Diver Down. That was one of the coolest stands in that entire yeah, day. That, 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 that was a pretty cool stand. Diver, Dan, Diver Down's cool. Bohemian Rhapsody was cool. Sky High was fucking terrible. I think we can all agree no. on that. One thing with the, that stupid-ass Sky High. Wait, which... Was that the one with, the, like, the flying... Yeah, 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 oh. yeah. You know, one of my favorite things with that fight, though... Like how he's having this like big speech. It's like you can't even touch me if you come close to me. And then Ermy's just like Ermy's Jolene is just like staring at him. And then Ermy's is like Jolene, let's throw rocks at this fucker. He's like, what? <laughs> That's great. He's shit like that. Also, how is how is the bit where Jolene fucking like makes turns the herself Morbius into a strip. Mobius strip not the coolest shit? No, I I think it is. The last part of part six is the only good part of part. Also, six. the bit at the beginning when she uses. Stone free to stop a bullet. Okay. Also, that part's pretty great. I love that. I love that bit too, where it's like, oh, we start off in a prison, just like part three. Uh, hey, new girl, what were you doing? I was masturbating. I'm sorry. The guard looked like Tom Cruise. <laughs> like what? Goo Goo Dolls. Okay. Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson. I like Goo Goo Dolls. Was trash. Okay, I can agree with that. Marilyn Manson was fucking good, though. Look, you have to hit the The lowest. bit where Weather Report makes it rain frogs? You have to hit the lowest of lows to reach the Survivor? highest... To reach the highest of highs. Part 6 is dog shit, so that Part 7 could be the best part in the entire Survivor, series. Survivor, though. You're telling me... You're gonna look me in the eyes and tell me Survivor's not Is that not the one with cool? the fucking electric tramps on the ground? It's the one that makes you want to fight. Honestly, I have blacked out part six because it's so bad. I fucking hate you. It's like how I almost finished Naruto and I was like, this is garbage. And then I proceeded to black everything out. Everything's gone. It's a waste of space. So I was into the trash. Drag and drop. I have a part eight hot take. Yeah. Joshua's cool. I have a red part eight, so... Okay. There are parts of Josh here. I'm like, he's like a guilty pleasure character. Like, I should not like you. <laughs> I love him. Like that random bit with his mom. He's like, hey, come over here and give me some of that titty milk. No, I I broke down this statement or, or, for someone or, one time. Tell no. me how it goes. Like, <laughs> so so Joshu, their dead meat mom gets out of prison. Okay, and Joshu sees her. And she's, like, being kind of a bitch to the whole family. And most of the family's just willing to roll over and just take it. And he fucking grabs one of the buttons off of her blouse. And he says, woman, give me the titty milk I am owed. Like, I don't even have words for how Chad that is. Like, it's so good. And he's like, I'm not willing to put up with your shit. Fucking pay my debt of titty milk and get out. That's amazing. And Joshu is totally, totally an Okuyasu character. Oh, yeah. Because Nut King Cole is so cool as an idea, and it's just, it's just not, if, Joshu had brains and literally used it to his full potential, that would be, like, the most horrifying thing to deal yeah, with. Yeah, the Money Man arc is, like, 
that little short story is like really a good example of why Nut King Call is just so good. Mm. Uh, hmm. Uh. Trying to think if I have any more. Oh, hot take. People only like Heart Gold and Soul Silver because of the follow feature for the Pokemon. I mean, that's the only reason you like it. I don't. I, I mean, it's it's a nice addition, but after trying to replay that game and Crystal, Johto's a bad region. Yeah. Okay. That was my. That was actually going to be my hot take. Will, I'm sorry. Johto's I, bad. I I just think it's the fact that they make you go to Kanto afterwards. I like I, I like that aspect. I mean, that's a. Cool I think that's aspect. a very cool thing to do in the GBA age, but in reality, it just makes the game fucking bloated as hell. Because, I mean, whenever they implemented it, half of the cool Pokemon you couldn't catch until you were in Kanto again. Houndour couldn't get until you were in, Ho- uh, in, in Kanto. Sneasel couldn't get until Ho. Fucking Larvitar couldn't get until you were in, in Kanto. Right at Mount Silver at the very end of the damn game. Garbage. Garbage. You know, I think those games in particular are, for me, they're a nostalgia trip. Because I remember playing... Gold version and crystal version so many times as a kid on my little Game Boy Advance that I got for Christmas one year. Like, in, like you know, I had a Game Boy Color, and I played Pokemon Yellow. No, and I liked Yellow, but I played the absolute crap out of Gold and Crystal when I was a kid. And for me, I think that nostalgia factor I mean, that's, makes that's, me oversee some of the... That's why, that's why I still it. love those games so much. But man, they are boring and... Uh, Trying to grind in those games is a time sink. Because they are slow and EXP the is gen, hard to come by. The Gen two. 4, yeah. Well, the Gen 4 engine is just very slow. Oh, even playing Crystal on the virtual console on the 3DS, it is a slog. Oh, yeah. Through. Um, also, in addition... Oh, did you watch that uh, special run of Crystal? Where the guy... Tossed oh, away his yeah. team and took was, his opponent's was, team. Yeah, that's pretty good. That was great. That was cool. It's a great kind of run. Um, I think my favorite part is when he got into the Elite Four, he beats the first guy and he's like, You want to learn how to move up in the Elite Four? Follow, follow me. me. <laughs> it's so good. Um, Superman's a dumb character. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's that hot. I don't really have much of an opinion on Superman. You can write him cool, like the communist Superman, fucking great. Injustice Superman, pretty cool. Regular boring day Superman, fucking shit-ass garbage. Trash. I think I'm about out. My only other hot take is that the last chapter of Demon Slayer ruins the ending. I I don't I can't really dispute that honestly. Um, it's just bad. It just does it wrap it up just a little too neat. Well, it does like a three generation time skip into like the modern day. Yeah, that is dog shit. Kind of an issue. That's dog shit. Hot take: uh, American Dad's better than Family Guy. That, I don't consider that yeah, a hot that's take. not a hot take. That was like a okay, okay. That's that's a accepted statement. Um, 
King of the Hill is better than The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Simpsons. That's kind of hot. Simpsons is actually just trash, even the early stuff. I no, I super disagree with that. No, I think early Simpsons is garbage. No, no, for me, season one through ten of the Simpsons is like the peak of. Uh, For me, it's two through eight. That's like where it is for me. That's the sweet spot. I do not like any of it. I I don't know, man. It's it's a very like interesting um, time capsule of the nineties. It, because it, it it is really the first show of its kind to really fly in the face of certain traditions. Um, it's essentially the anti-sitcom, and I think that that's cool. Um, but you have to look at it from that time period. But I will say, King of the Hill has much more consistent quality and ended when it should have. Oh, uh, King of the Hill's fucking great. I do like King of the Hill so much. Speaking of, uh, they're replacing Adam West on Family Guy now, since he died. They're replacing him with Sam Elliott. I'm kind of okay with that. I yeah. like Sam Elliott. Yeah, he's a, he's a, I like Sam Elliott. He's a, he's a fun guy. Uh, maybe this is a hot take. Uh, Parks and Rec is better than The Office. I, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like that's a hot take for a lot of people. For a lot of people, because mm. I know so many diehard Office fans, and the Office is one of those weird ones where it's like Parks and Rec is definitely consistent throughout. I enjoy Parks and Rec. I would agree. The Office, the first couple seasons, I don't care for the Office. I think it is boring. I don't. Uh, no, I I like it from like episode one up until Jim and Pam's marriage, and then it just shits the bed. Like for me, it's like. Okay, maybe it's just, I'll say maybe like season one. Season one, I didn't care for. It just, I felt like it was kind of a slog to get through. Are you sure you're not thinking of Parks and Rec? Because Parks and Rec season one, oh, I think is... Parks and Rec season one is the worst aspect of Parks and Rec because they were trying to figure out everything. Because that was whenever they try to make Leslie be another Michael character. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, nah, this is stupid. Leslie Nope is let's a just, smart Let's just make woman. let's just fuse the office and the West Wing. They basically did a soft reset with season two and mm-hmm. season three for uh And like Ron is like a completely different character in season one. Wears like a suit. It's weird. A fucking suit. It's Ron weird. Swanson wearing Ron a suit. Swanson. <laughs> um mm-hmm. <clears throat> But, you know, like, you know, a point that people bring up with The Office and Parks and Rec. Like, I, I know, and I know even you've said this, you guys don't like any of the characters. Oh, I fucking That's the point. You're not supposed to like these people. They're supposed to be some No, people. but people do. They do like those characters. I like Dwight. I do like Dwight. He's a, he's a, he's lovable in a kind of love to hate him kind of way. Like, like there's that, there's that scene, um, when they're going, when Jim and Dwight are going through that door and Dwight's like, I would catch it. And Jim just fucking just pushes him. <laughs> and he's like, and Dwight like looks at him like, and Jim's just like. <laughs> but after that, they like actually close a good deal in showing that like in reality, as much as they kind of hate each other, they're good business partners. I think that's an interesting character dynamic. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like for the most part, Parks and Rice cats, like they're likable people. Jerry. 
Jerry. Don't shit on Jerry. I love Jerry. I love Jerry. He is, I think, my sole character Dude, in that Jerry scene. and his massive penis. His massive penis and his hot fucking wife. Dude, I my favorite... Oh. I love the bit when that doctor's giving them physicals and the doc they have that interview with that doctor after he sees Jerry and he goes I, I don't I didn't even check him. I didn't I don't know if he's got bumps. He I was just astounded. I was just astounded by, by the, the largest, largest penis, penis I've ever seen. seen. Oh. <laughs> no, that episode where you know, uh I can picture the people, I'm bad with names and parks and rec, but they were being like they did not accept his Christmas party invitation oh, uh, 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 April Andy and Tom yes and Donna and then they're finally like he was like oh my god this looks amazing I want to be here then they're like wow you're a dick Jerry <laughs> oh god I love that <laughs> yeah but Jerry loves them anyways because mm, Jerry's he... better than any of us and Jerry's Jerry was the best of them oh I have a hot take Rent the musical is dog shit I need, I still need to watch Rent. Some of the songs are pretty okay, but I don't understand how people can idolize any of these characters from Rent. They're all fucking assholes. Mm. Mm. You remember that bit when they're like, Angel was the best of us? Nice. But you cut back to the beginning of the movie and Angel's like, yo, I just murdered some rich lady's dog for a thousand dollars. That's someone's But dog. Angel was the best of us. That's someone's dog. Fuck Rent. Uh, you know, hot take, The Outsiders, the book and the movie... Bad. I like the Outsiders. I, I, the book is because like I, I, the I movie think, is bad. I've stayed Golden Pony. Like, fuck off. No, I like that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I haven't seen the movie. I've read um, the book. I like the book. The movie the, got Rob Lowe. Oh, does it? That's mm-hmm. weird. The best dystopian fiction book in existence is The Giver, and you cannot. You cannot I, convince me otherwise. I like The Giver, but if I had to have a choice. Fahrenheit 451. Oh, well, okay, okay. That's also very fair. I mainly mean in terms of, like, dystopian fiction aimed at younger readers. Oh, at younger readers, okay. Uh, hot take. Hunger Games? Garbage after the second book. The second book was the best book. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird to me. I actually think the first book is the best one. Like, the first two books and the beginning of the third is like, okay, this is good, and then it just... Sinks. I've never seen a book shit the bed so fucking hard. And it's a shame, because the first two books were so, like, consistently good throughout. Mm. Speaking of shit books, apparently uh, the newest book that J.K. Rowling put out is super transphobic. Yeah, it's... it's dude, I think my favorite thing is people being like, but it's just a cross-dresser. It's like, I, That's look, still bad. if anyone else wrote this story, I probably wouldn't blink at it. But J.K. Rowling wrote this story. And after all the like, After she's all had. of the turf shit she's said... Like, you, you can't not look at it like that. Yep. Harry Potter's just bad. Harry Potter's bad. It's bad. I can't get myself to hate Harry Potter. I'm not, like, one of those, like, hardcore Harry Potters and life people, but I can't get myself to dislike Harry Potter. Mainly the books, because I grew up reading the books. Mm-hmm. For me, those are a childhood memory. I, I do like the the game for Prisoner of Azkaban on the Game Boy Advance. That's a ooh, good. That's ooh, a that, good. That's the only good Harry Potter. Um, game. That, like, you want to know someone wasn't it? Um, yeah. I have another one. Um, all those Rick Riordan books, like the Lightning Thief and stuff, yep. aged super well. Oh, yeah. well, he's actually a very progressive writer. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. 
I, I I love that he makes Athena asexual. That's the yeah. coolest shit ever. He, he he's done a very good job with this series. I appreciate. Him. I it, I like I like was looking back through a lot of it, and I was like, wait, is that how the kids of? Oh my god! Uh, those original movies that they did. Oh dog shit! That's not a hot take. That's just absolute facts. Yeah. That just fucking trash fire. You know he wasn't involved at all in making those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. mm. Disney live action remakes, garbage. Yo, can we talk about Mulan? All right, look, look, I think I think we've had enough hot takes. Unless you have one more, Zach. You want to just curb something, something for a bit, or do you have another hot take? Okay, this can be a hot take depending on how you, what side of the fence you're on. Because I know there are a lot of people on either side. The Twilight book series is very okay. Uh, so no, I watched the movies with Lauren recently. The movies aren't bad. They kind of condense everything, cut out the fat, the, the, and they look nice. The problem the first with one. the books is just the syntax. It's just the way they're written on like a fundamental level. It's not bad. It's just broken. Like I said, okay, not phenomenal. They're they're. I won't. They're not the worst things I've ever written. I, okay, like, that's fair. I, they, they, like yeah. there are some aspects that are enjoyable about it, and like you know, the first book like had I will say is probably like the best, and like building that kind of like intrigue when you didn't know oh it's vampires. Yeah, like building up that intrigue factor. I like that about the first book. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it's like okay, this is like okay, a story of a wrapped up conclusion. Okay, I'm fairly happy of how that went. Okay. <sighs> So, uh, I want to talk about fucking live-action Mulan and why it's garbage and should not be watched. Um, can I start off with the one thing I heard that made me be like, wow, I'm immediately writing this off. So, apparently the reason that the live-action Mulan character is a better warrior is because she has some kind of magical key power. Which, like kind of devalues the entire message of the original film on a fundamental level yeah so that's why I wrote off Mulan uh, well I had other reasons for writing off Mulan uh, first off all of the lead actors in the film are pro Hong Kong police supporters yes that's one uh, thing Disney. I just wanted to talk about on a like yeah. on an actual cinematics yeah. level before we get into uh, politics. Uh, the film was uh, recorded in Chinese concentration camps where they hauled uh, Chinese Muslims to re-educate them into the Chinese Communist Party's uh, standards. Uh, and Disney thanked the Chinese Communist Party at the in the credits in the movie, which is disgusting and because it. Uh, it just shows that even though Disney said they weren't going to film any more movies in Georgia because Georgia did like anti-gay, pass anti-gay laws or anti-LGBT laws, they will still fucking bow down to whatever large money marketing force and thank them for their use of slave camps. Look. Because they think the China market is much more important than having a fucking spine as a company. Like, I get it. I get it. That's a free market, baby. But fuck. Fuck the Chinese Communist Party. Fuck any dictatorship. Like, <laughs> so, um, I think 
there's like a, a there was a statement about the most recent Star Wars film that also kind of encapsulates this problem when people were talking about Finn. Oh, where fucking John Boyega was like, I wanted to have a bigger role in these Star Wars movies, and they just wrote me off. Um, well, the main thing was apparently like originally he and Poe's characters were supposed to be oh gay, gay, yeah. And that Finn was also fucking... supposed to become a Jedi. John Boyega was all for that that storyline. So was Poe's uh, Poe's actor as well. And then but the I believe uh, Wooly Madden of the of the uh, the Castle Super Beast podcast put it very well when he said, "You know, you can't have a, a gay black Jedi. China's just not going to deal if you have that." Yep, and that. That's, really hits the nail on the head. Well, and I don't know if you've seen it, but recently uh, John Boyega left uh, a cologne company he was a like global ambassador for because the company re-edited a commercial that he shot that was based on like his life story and included members of his family. He was replaced with a Chinese actor in the Chinese commercials, and they did not give him any heads up. They did not give him any warnings. All of this he created for by himself for this company, and they stole the intellectual property rights and replaced him and replaced the meaning of his story for a fucking Chinese actor so that they could do well in the fucking Chinese market. And I, I, I want to make this clear. It's not that I have anything against the Chinese people as a whole because they are struggling to grow a larger middle class and they do have the largest middle class in the world and it's important to keep them active and moving and moving into democratic values but fuck how can we expect them to move into democratic values if our own companies and our own democratic institution fucking bow down to a communist party it's disgusting Mm -hmm. like Whatever mm, fucking exemptions that Disney gets from taxes, because you know they fucking do, they, they it it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be able to f- fucking write off whatever you want because you're making money. You should, at some point, have some fucking moral backbone. If you're gonna be pro gay people, put fucking gay people in your goddamn movies. If you're gonna. I feel like I'm a rambling, raving Welcome Disney, to corporate America. Disney at this point <laughs> makes stuff on a fucking conveyor belt. And to say otherwise is just wrong. They, they close their eyes. They have a large dartboard with words on it. They're like, alright, this week we're going to do uh, lemurs battling racism. Can't do that. That's trying to mark it. God. Um... Bubble fights. That's what we're doing. That's the new movie, Lemur Bubble Fights. That is, that is something I could see happening like in the next you, five years. Disney, you take this fucking idea, I'm coming to fuck you in the ass. <laughs> I'll get every goddamn penny I'm owed. You took out a knife when you said that. I'm telling you, Disney, I'm coming for my Lemur Bubble you're like, you're like You are that friend who always has a knife. I, look, you just you, you never know when you need a knife. To chop up random Nerf Nerf gun bullets? It's for my salad. <laughs> it's Nerf or nothing, God. It's Nerf or nothing! I 
I hope Nerf starts bowing down to the Chinese Communist Party. That way they can be like, all right, guys, it's Nerf or the concentration camp. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> thanks, Nerf. <laughs> I can really use these to combat the police. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that's my political ranting, rambling, and raving. <laughs> I'm sure are going to come back to haunt me in 50 years. I'm going to be like, um, when you said you wanted to fuck Disney, the corporation, and its ass for all the money when that it's When Disney owed, is the new overlord of the Disney's world. When Disney's the president, whenever... <laughs> whenever we just elect corporations as governing, oh, as governing I mean, they're, figures. They're already the fucking people, thanks to Citizens United. It's all fine and dandy. Well, I feel like this is a good time to segue into... Emails! Oh shit, you we still got emails. You fucker! Hey, now, at this point, Will has done this more than I have, so That's you okay. can't get mad at me. Z- Zach slams stop, the table. Stop slamming the table. Zach slams don't the tables, you. I scream. Hey, don't you... Don't Spider-Man you. photo of the Spider-Man, goddammit! Every person's a Spider-Man! Alright, so now on to NPR's <coughs> version of... The Backlock Podcast emails. This is NPR. <laughs> I feel like that was spot on. That, I've never listened good. to NPR. That's pretty good. Um, so, National Public Radio. Lauren's question to us today as part of Lauren's Q Corner. Um, Where she provides the Qs. And we provide the A's. The assholes. The big ol' asshole. Uh, her question today is, what is one thing you've always wanted to learn how to do? I didn't, I think as a kid, I always wanted to learn how to be a blacksmith. That's pretty cool. I think like working metal sounds dope as shit. That is pretty cool. Like just sounds awesome. Also fly a plane. Actually, that sounds kind of terrifying. Fly a helicopter. Uh, I always wanted to learn how to fence. I feel like that'd be cool. Fencing's cool. I actually took a fencing course when I was a kid. Seems dope. It is very fun. Zach, anything you wish you learned how to do? I actually, one. Sorry. Whoa! I just remembered. Whoa! You're cutting Zach off. I just remembered something. So turns out Dan and I were in the same fencing course. Oh, that's wild. at the same time. That's wild. When I was a kid and he was a younger kid. Did he kick your ass? I don't even remember him. Uh, you blacked it out. You blacked out those memories. I feet. look, look. The conver- the topic of conversation whenever we weren't doing fencing stuff uh, during that time was the fact that the PS2 was getting an online adapter. <laughs> that, that's how long ago that was. Okay, sorry, Zach. Uh, I've always wanted to learn how to play an instrument, like specifically out of like all. Like I had to pick three instruments. Like I could learn. Piano, violin, cello. I'd like to learn how to play the bass. It's I don't want to learn how to play an instrument. I'm not coordinated enough to play an instrument. Not either. I feel like I could figure it out. <laughs> I hope that made it in. Holy fuck. <laughs> oh my god, that was my dad clearing his throat upstairs. Alright. Well, god, Lauren... these... sound travels here. Yeah. Well, yeah. I also left the door open, I think. Uh, no, you didn't. No. Oh. Sound traveled. Yeah. Well, I hope that answers your question, Lauren. Uh, if you want to get me something for Christmas slash my birthday, fencing lessons would be cool, but only after the pandemic. 
No, you have to do fencing lessons. Would in you the do pandemic. foil saber uh, epee? Oh, I, it doesn't matter. I'll learn whatever I can get my hands on. Saber is cool. Ep- I would do oh. epee. Epee is also cool. I actually don't like foil that much. I forgot a hot take. Oh shit, you did. Yeah. What was it? Fate stay night. Bad. That's not a hot take. Yeah. That's a take I share. It bad. All right. It's bad. Uh, our next question comes from our friend Odie. Uh, Along with many new, other questions. Of which we are ignoring. <laughs> uh, this one says, what's new Scooby-Doo? Honestly, I don't know. Snacks? If I was Scooby-Doo, I'd be like, mm, snacks, Reggie. Reggie, Reggie. Reggie. Room and rights. <laughs> I'm not joining in. I have no self-hate issues. I don't need to add on to the stockpile. You don't. You don't need a, a recording of you somewhere out on the internet doing a Scooby-Doo impression. Yeah. Why won't you do a Scooby-Doo impression? He's pretty good. I'm already addicted to cigarettes. I don't need something keep me up at night that suddenly makes me think. No, I should turn to the damn bottle now. Oinks, oinks. <laughs> I didn't bring Matthew Dillard back for that fucking... He's mad. He's very yeah, mad. Yeah, they should, because it sounds like dog shit. It does. What a bad movie. I, the only good thing about that was everyone who was simping for that hot cop lady turned out just to be the villain. And it was a dude. Nice. It was like Dick Dastardly. The guy from uh, Wacky Races, Any Races, Crazy Races. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no. I just... I, I gather pieces of shit I don't like. Okay, what else has Odie said to us? Uh, I, I don't want to read any of Odie's. <laughs> let, me, let me see it. Uh, there's uh, something about a Fallout 76 video that we should play and listen to on the podcast, but I bet it's like an hour and a half long. Um, here's, uh, I was told to refer to you about these dipstick restiffinator pills you carry, and if prompted to say a secret phrase to say... Oh, you know what I mean. I look forward to our future medicinal relationship. Um, the only dipsticks oh, wait, that oh, I know about are those uh, are those uh, fun dip uh, packets where you had the like chalk candy and you put them in the. I feel like this is some kind out. of code for penis enlargement. Whoa, that's what, what I was getting out of. Whoa, about. penis enlargement. Odie, that's fucked up, man. It's Odie. What do you expect? I thought he was talking about candy. How often does Odie talk? Oh, okay. look, he does talk about uh, candy. He, stuff. Look, he does Odie, talk about the fruit snacks that he ate, and, and that he got apple. the shits out, the shits out of uh, because he ate like a whole like he fifty ate pack. Seventy eight. Yeah. <laughs> so Odie, if you're listening to this, as much as I love you, you are kind of uh, a cum oh. sock in human form. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> uh, Odie, if you're also listening to this, I gotta know, did Miguel ever pay you the money for taking the shit in this man's house? I fucking... I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> That's a story for later. Uh, someone sent us another email with Gorilla Mail, oh. and it looks like it's your homework. Um... Have you ever wanted to buy an item until you found out about the price and then decided not to buy it? Write a specific example. Using the theory of consumer choice explained in the chapter, tell us what happened in terms of marginal utility per dollar. What adjustments have you made to your allocation of your budget when the price of one or two goods which you normally buy changes? Think about a specific example and tell us how the price changed and how that changed the way you spent your income. Finally, think about an example from your life of the principle of diminishing marginal utility. 
Tell us what the good was and how your marginal utility decreased as you consumed more. Make sure you answer the questions I asked. As always, make sure you do not say anything inappropriate. Make sure you are not using texting, spelling, and capitalization. Make sure you are writing at least 40 substantive words per post. Your posts are due on Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. Well, it's Wednesday, so whoever sent us this... uh, Yeah, don't rely on us to do your homework. (laughs) I don't know the first fucking thing about economic. Yeah, Uh, I'm very... I'm not great at economic, so... Yeah, that's how hard. Too bad. Yeah, too bad. Um, so sad. And then another, our last e- <clears throat> email worth reading. Uh, which do you prefer? How well do you think the current CGI... Oh, oh, I, I, I fucked this up already. Uh, Good job. The title of the email is Special Effects and Filmmaking Practical or CGI. Which do you prefer? How well do you think the current CGI of 2020 will hold up 20 years from now? Keeping in mind how well the CGI of a movie like Dinosaur, the Disney film from 2000, holds up to today. I mean, CG is, in all regards, a tool. It's not... CG essentially is useful in situations where practical effects are not practical. You know what I'm saying? CG is as good as you have money. The I think that's money... I think that's also true, but I I feel as though, like, I mean, obviously, like older movies have, you know, the tricks of the trade, movie magic, if you will. There's matte paintings that they like stick on like the corner of the camera to make it look like there's like a big, open epic background when not, but there really isn't. See, um, I think I prefer practical effects. I mean, I feel as the practical effects always takes more heart. And it, it typically has more people at work on it. Yeah. I I mean, like, it, CGI is problematic in very specific circumstances. Um, you know what? Let's take the piss out of the prequels real quick. Um, so, pretty much every single one of those films was filmed on a green screen with little to no practical effects for anything. I don't think any of the sets are real. I'm pretty sure they're all just green screened. Um, at the very least, the car from the second prequel movie is like was an actual prop, um, and I think that's the only thing I can think of. Are you telling me they didn't genetically engineer those scary monsters on Kenosha? No, they did not. I feel like I've been lied to. Right? Um, But what I mean, like, bigger does not automatically mean better. And just because you can have a big epic fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin that goes on for, like, 20 fucking minutes at the end of your goddamn uh, prequel trilogy does not necessarily mean that you should. Because the whole point of the scene is simply that Anakin loses. People really like that fight. I don't understand why. It's superfluous. So, which do you prefer? The prequel trilogy or the sequel trilogy? That's really rough, honestly. It's a rough decision to make. Because honestly, I prefer the prequel trilogy. Here's the thing. At least George Lucas was still there to guide the ship. I mean, George Lucas really kind of never guided the ship, if you want to be... I, I know... Honest. 
but what little input he had at least did something. <laughs> well, he had too much input in the prequels is the problem. The prequels, I will say, introduce a character I'm all about in the form of General Grievous. That's okay. Cool, that's a cool guy. I don't. You don't, you don't like Grievous? Look, I don't understand the love. You, you don't like whenever he hit his arm split in half and he go boom 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 boom. boom. <laughs> He's like, I'm a four bladed helicopter. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I I think the the General Kenobi. Well, hello there. Is a great meme and is pretty funny, but I don't I don't find any character in the prequels compelling besides maybe Obi Wan. Not even Jar Jar Bane. Hell no. Jar Jar should get the axe. Who even like really legitimately liked Jar Jar Banks? George Lucas did. Yeah, I think that just means that George Lucas was racist though. Yeah. Cause that was pretty uh Wait, was Jar Jar a he, he was A questionably racist caricature, yes. Yeah. And the guy who played him was also uh, okay. the guy who did the light motion. Screening was also a black man, and he received a good number of death threats for his role in the film. So, that's fine. That's fine. Look, just don't send actors death threats. Look, send directors and writers death threats. Send the corporations death threats. Yeah, better yet do that. Just be be like, I don't know who I'm going to kill, but... Whoever Mr. Uh, Paramount News Network is, I'm going to get him. Like, CGI, in reality, and in my opinion, just more in my opinion, is very much a double-edged sword. I think it's very useful for certain things, um, but I feel like if you become overly reliant on it, then you make something that the human eye can clearly tell is fake. And you may not notice it in the moment, but your brain did. Because well, it brings that, uh, oh, what is that? Uncanny Valley? Yeah, the Uncanny Valley effect. Well, like, uh, and like you said, if used correctly, I have no issue with CGI. Yeah. There are some instances where I see some CGI, it's like, okay, that was... Well, CGI can also be bad if you start using it in a series that is well known for using practical effects, like Jurassic World 1 where it used only one animatronic dinosaur. And was the it rest the T-Rex? Was, no, it was the dead Apatosaurus. Gonna have to be more specific. It was after the Indominus Rex, like, killed a whole shitload of animals, and Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, Chris Pratt's characters were, like, comforting it as it died. And it was just, like, the head and neck. And fans were very upset about that because practical effects have been used well, here's all the, through the first three Here's the Jurassic thing. Park Animatronics, movies. I feel, are somewhat unwieldy. Oh, they are. They're a nightmare. But it makes it look so much more realistic. Like and Jaws is really... another good example. Mm-hmm. about like Apparently Jaws, like, Jaws was saved in editing. Yeah. Apparently. Which I find pretty interesting. But fan backlash to the first Jurassic World did lead to... Uh, the second Jurassic World having much more usage of uh, animatronics. A whole shitload more. And it looks great. It looks better because of it. And then um, on the subject of CGI aging, I mean, this is kind of a dated statement because I feel like everybody said said this, this exact statement today. 
or back in the day. But I feel as though we've reached a point where stuff can look realistic as hell now. I I feel like the worst examples of CGI are in anime. Because <laughs> yeah. they, they look bad. They look real bad. Mm-hmm. That's like kind of one of the other things I want to get at. But um, really, CG and anime, the problem is not necessarily that like the model looks bad, but the model usually does look bad. But, like, Doro Hidoro has good CG. It does. Because it, it fits with the world. I think I'm more so thinking of, like, Ajin. That looks <laughs> disgusting, and it gives me a headache. Overlord has some good CG as well. Yeah, Overlord is, like, my example, if I had to say one that... <laughs> even It's not the It's best. not great. It's not great, but it is one of the better done. Uh, yeah, because it, it makes those monsters feel unnatural. Mm-hmm. Thinking, which is, it's good. I'm thinking also of like Berserk 2016 and 2017. Clang! I'm also thinking of uh, that new Crunchyroll produced anime, Giabati. Because <laughs> uh, its monsters look bad. Uh, yeah. So, alright, any, 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 anything else? Because that's it on emails. Alright, that's a wrap, Mike. That's a wrap, Mike. Whoa. <laughs> no, you gotta say that's a wrap, Mike. That's a wrap? Mike? Yeah! yeah!